Hey everybody and welcome to episode 518 of Video Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparez, coming to you from the Jason Walsh Memorial Studio of the Airwaves. Jason. If you want it to be the U Memorial Studio of the Airwaves, go to patreon.com slash lasertime and join us at the $20 level while shouting Jason. Who else is <laughs> who else is pressing X to Jason with me now? Chris Antista and listen to this episode and I will give you at least 34 counts of or reasons to love me. Ah, and it's uh, me, Matthew Allen. I, Matt, Matt has seen the Mario movie. I've seen Full the Mario movie. Full of movie popcorn. Can I touch Fresh the hem of, of your garment, Mario. sir? <laughs> I mean, for whatever it costs for a movie ticket nowadays, 15 bucks, you too can see the Mario movie. Like yes. I want to hear from a Biasonic stooge about the quality <laughs> of the Yeah, it's true. It's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think we are going to talk about my... I'll give like kind of a mini review later in the show. Uh, yeah, to talk all about that Mario movie. I played a new game, too, for the show. Did you? And, Yeah. I heard you didn't like it. I'm, no, I'm excited to talk about it. Ah. I played I played a new DLC that I'm excited to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I played a horror fishing game, but uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yes, a horror, it's a thing. horror, not horrible fishing game, yeah. right? All like, equally yeah. important. Yeah, also okay. not a sex worker fishing game, a horror <laughs> fishing game. Uh, <laughs> We're going but, fishing with some whores. But first, uh, there's another... Charlie, I got all these used fish hooks and some holes. Yeah. <laughs> another, another game that I played recently, a remake of a popular game from 2005. And it gets, like, it cuts some key scenes because of a reason that we'll talk about in our top five. Oh. Which is going to be what, what did you call this uh, dead gaming trends or return of the the living dead? Well, gaming I, trends. I wanted to give it a movie sequel name, and so uh, return. You know, if we want to be specific to my childhood horrors, uh, return of the living dead gaming trends would be the name for the show because we did this all the way back in episode. Believe it or not, two hundred and seventy-five. We did yeah, a Jesus. dead gaming trends show where we covered things. Such as cheat codes, so don't expect cheat codes to be no. on this one. Well, but, for, uh, for this one, I wanted to focus it on stuff that was, like, introduced within the last 20 years yes. of modern yeah. gaming and is no longer a part of modern gaming for the large. That's what I thought was distinctive here. Like, this, this encapsulates the 3D era, so it's not just something that's, like, technologically we just don't do this anymore like no it was decided that nobody liked this yeah yeah well and, over and, and years. we should we should we should clarify like some of the stuff on this list it still happens on occasion it's just not sure. ubiquitous like it was right, right? it's um, not mm -hmm. mandatory like, like one of the entries you guys called out and i was like well i would understand why you don't know that this is still a thing but in sports games this happens all the time still and you're like oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah so some of these trends are like relegated well, to well, certain. Yeah, we genres. can say what that is, like licensed soundtracks, because that that didn't make the list. And yeah, it's it's becoming a bit rare. I think I think there's still plenty of games to do that. I think didn't the last Saints Row have a bunch of licensed music in there? Right. Well, what it, it made me think about was that like I am also playing like twenty percent. <laughs> I'm playing like two hundred percent fewer racing games because like that genre is kind of anemic like i like sega remember had had like a full auto and like need mm. for speeds came out every year and and midnight club, club happened when rockstar made more than one game a decade and midnight club 2 is 20 years old this week wow. and, and i'm playing fewer of those and i'm and like 
the rock band Guitar Hero stuff died, which was kind of a big, yeah. long period for me of like six oh. years of playing a ton of music-based games. There, there's another mm-hmm. feature that no longer exists in modern games, plastic I mean, instruments. Plastic there'll al- there'll always be like, I think, music-based games and plastic instruments. Mm. There'll be something like that, but like... Yeah, the licensed music thing, it, it just intrigued me because, like, I remember for one review, I forget what it was, I, God, it was such a snarky asshole reviewer, I created a petition to never use Wolf Mother in any any game ever again, because I, <laughs> wow. it was in, like, I can't, it was, like, 17 games over the course of, like, five years, like, enough, mm-hmm. a woman! <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, never use this again, and then now, like... You'll look, you might get one song during the credits, but it's usually an original. Uh, uh, yeah, I just don't encounter a lot of licensed music, but Matt is right. It's based on what I play slash the ubiquity of of certain genres a couple years ago. Sports mm-hmm. and driving games are still lousy with licensed soundtracks. Oh, yeah. but I, I, I'll never... I want, it, I want it to go in the record books because I was paying attention. The first licensed use of Nirvana, I walked into a demo I was not excited about shit, I actually don't remember what it was, but it was like MLB 2K8 or something like that, and like is that a fucking Nirvana song? Like, they're not even in the music games yet. That Those haven't been in movies since Kurt that Cobain died. That was a huge died. deal. I, I was working on Guitar Hero when Kurt Cobain got in there, and I remember oh, the controversy of like him lip-syncing other people's songs was a big, big deal. Oh, yeah. Not in a good way. I, I, I still... Man, I, never mind. I'm, I know I'm going too off-base here, but like what a disrespectful thing Nirvana like did you hear Courtney Love on Mark Maron's show no she is no. out of her mind but occasionally can what? say what you mean to... she occasionally no. can say poignant things and she's just like at some point she's just like fucking Kurt like fuck just ruining my life like he's a 27 year old boy right who, all of his decisions still affect me to this day I'm paraphrasing what she said but like and have to have to pretend what a 27-year-old boy rock star in the 90s before the internet thought was important. And and it's it's just such a shitty position to be in. And I think it was a Stanhope joke. Like, Kurt Cobain were still alive. Like, how do you know he wouldn't have come out and danced during last year's Super Bowl? Like, yeah. <laughs> what would, what would yeah. he have been doing? Yeah. How do you know he know. wouldn't have been in a Geico commercial at this point? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, are, what are Dave Grohl and Chris Novoselic up to? Like, you know, chart, Deals chart are careers. in bloom. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Sorry. Uh, all right, let's let's get on with the show. Beginning with number five. No. Oh boy, I know what that is. It's yes. <laughs> very distinctive. Oh. In, you know, there's even a, a name for that sound, when, stuff like that in games. No, what is it? Is it so called they, endorphin this, this fanfare? Is, well, yes, it's it's to elicit endorphins. This is loot boxes, by the way. Mm-hmm. But I, I've heard that phrase referred to in a couple different ways, mostly in regards to mobile games. But you will sometimes call that the toast, hmm. that like oh. literally like a toast, like yay, you congratulations, you just did something by giving us money. You unlock stuff, like it's it's. Yeah, loot boxes, man. You could, yeah. you could replace, and, and a, this one's replace the sound entirely with a photo of Leonardo DiCaprio from Great Gatsby. Just yeah, yeah. This this one's number five because, like, yeah, they they are still a thing, 
but they have not been as much of a thing since they sort of crescendoed in about like 2017 with Overwatch and a couple of other games that we'll talk about. Uh, And since then, they have come under scrutiny by various international legal bodies about whether or not loot boxes are gambling because you are paying actual money to get something that may or may not be what you want. You're you're rolling the dice and, you know, maybe it'll be something good. Maybe it'll be something worthless. You don't know. But a bunch of game companies went hard on it and a lot of them have since backed off, whether because people Uh, in general don't seem to like the feature or because there are looming legal ramifications. I I kind of did an abnormal amount of research on this one because oh. I've always been kind of anti-loot box. Like, I, I, I understand the free-to-play model and cosmetics, and I think that's just a, the best solution we have for supporting a free-to-play live game. Yeah, you're just going to have to depend on Richie Riches to buy new hats. I don't love it, but, like, I've also worked in games, and to keep a... a a single game product online for as long as most of these games are supposed to be is ridiculous. And, and it has to be subsidized somehow. And, yeah. and, and I don't think the loot box, I think it was not ideal. And I think it was predatory and it, it looks like one of those miraculous things. It wasn't corporations cha- like having a change of heart. Like it was in the air. Hmm. Uh, loot boxes were about to get mad regulated, not in America, because if he can do anything, that exploits anybody for money, it's allowed. (laughs) But, like, everywhere in Europe was like, this is fucked up. Like, uh, there was a UK article. It's like, uh, uh, loot boxes, I'm sure they exist in some games, but the games we associate them existing in do not exist anymore. I made sure to, like, double-check on most of that. I'm sure there are mobile games, live, free-to-play shooters I'm not playing. I know Apex Legends still has something like that. But uh, again, but yeah, yeah. Most you're revealing your your guys' lack of playing of sports games because mm-hmm. the one exception to this, I, right? I wait, wait. Can I play? Can I play the sound for it first? Oh, please. All your players are there. What? What is? I it? want a typewriter in NBA Live. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing is, I, I that's either Madden or it's the baseball game. That is NBA. FIFA twenty three. That's FIFA. Oh, so FIFA. as but recently that's, that's, as as late last year, this mechanic was being used. The irony to me of that mechanic, well, it's used this year. I'm going to talk about MLB the Show in, in the new releases because I finally got to play it, and and you know I've been playing a lot of WWE 2K. It's still in there. Mm. The irony to me is the only let's call them core, let's console on the console side kind of the only games that still use these loot box mechanics are sports games and they yep. they are under this guise of card packs which the irony there yep. to me is the original kind of gambling for kids back in the day and i mean like back in the day 100 years ago mm-hmm. was baseball cards uh, yeah. like so and and so i think they i think they're able to get away with it because they just go like well look like you can't outlaw baseball cards surely mm-hmm. right and the other thing they do, though, um, and Chris, you did a lot of research on this, so I'm, you probably know way more than I do, but in order to keep those systems in your games, there is a lot of hoops you have to jump through. Yeah. Like, you yes. have to publish your loot tables. So, actually, a yep. game that I play, 
nonstop, can't get enough of Genshin Impact, as Chris yes. likes to always remind you guys. They publish their loot tables. It shows you ah. right there in the game how it's, it's rare a, the drops are. In this country, it is a legal requirement. Yeah. You have to show yeah. your drop rates, which yeah. which I think only exist because it is gambling. <laughs> because <laughs> because that's what that's what that's what slot machines have to do. Yeah. Because they're fucking computers connected to a network and can constantly deny you money. And then, well, I, what I loved reading about, or I, I heard about firsthand from my arcade friends. You ever like go into like the mall or like a local pizza shop and there's never there's a not a crane game necessarily, but one of those games like cut this rope, poke this hole, win a Nintendo Switch. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. so slick. We walked into one and it was so slunt sun bleached. My friend did the greatest Borat impression. You will never get this. You will never get this. Like this has been here. This has been here since the Switch's launch, right. and this is like a year ago. And he's like, and so what? I, what they told me, what those machine? You can never win those games. Those games they're, are they're, programmed they're for games. for you to lose. What you yeah. program into the machine is how much money do you want to make before you drop this Switch? Of mm-hmm. course. You could accurately cut a cord, put this in the hole, play a crane game, but they're built to make you fail all the time. I got to stop when the light hits here. Of course you could do that. It's built. It's not consistent. It's built to make you fail. And so that's what, how those machines are set. Once we make $1,500, we will drop a $300 prize. I don't know why that's not that's still legal. But the, they have to post the drop rates because it is in accordance with certain gambling laws. There has to be a winner a legal winner for gambling in most casinos. I think the other way they get away with it is um, they're able to say technically by giving them money, it's not like gambling where like, hey, if you lose, that's it. You Technically in these player packs, you still get things you, you can play shit. with, right? Yes. You, you still get like players. They're just not the highly rated ones. And so they're able to say, look, you gave us two bucks and we gave you a pack of players. And the, the thing you're chasing, the, the chase item, as they call it, is like, yeah, that's just a better player, right? And so it's not like, hey, you gave us money and got yeah. nothing in return. That's true. You, can, you, get you always do get stuff. Yeah, you get yeah stu- that- It's part of the reason I stopped playing Destiny and like, just put make a barrel I can drag and drop all this shit I don't need in. Quit making me recycle it and throw it away and drop it. It's just awful. It should automatically go here. But the corporations did not loosen up on the loot boxes because of, out of the kindness of their heart. The writing was on the wall. Belgium, legal, just illegal. And Germany was getting there. And the funniest article I read was from the UK Gambling Commission in 2018, 2019. A sampling of children polled a 40% increase in 11 to 16-year-old gambling addicts. Kids who qualified as gambling addicts. Oh more than kids who started drinking, more than kids who started using drugs. Kids were becoming rabid gambling addicts. Where, by the way, FIFA is way more popular over in mm-hmm. Europe. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's huge. Hugely popular. Yeah. Kids, yeah. kids were qualified. In, in a test where they'd asked them their behavior, they qualified as gambling addicts. And what's scary about that, because you've always heard, is the whale is the one who makes these free-to-play experiences happen. Less than 5% of the player base. Which ends up defining the game for the other 95%. It fucking sucks. And and Fortnite, because of how ubiquitous, they got rid of it. Uh, 
they got yeah, rid of I was, it. I was, I was wondering, Michael, if you had any examples of games that had it. I know Overwatch got rid of it, but do we know any other games that are like, yeah, this thing was ubiquitous, but now these games like Fortnite got rid of it? Because it did feel like for a while there, a lot of games where you're like, why does that game have loot boxes would have it? You know, it's, Most it's of the games strange. that got rid of it, uh, or that, that would have gotten rid of it, are kind of games that no one plays anymore. Hmm. Because it, it was... I loved playing Overwatch, but I thought that was a supremely irritating experience. And the only people I've seen criticism of for like, where are my loot boxes are Overwatch people because that bizarre instance when Overwatch 2 came out, it erased Overwatch 1 from the world. You can't you you go into a fucking the last circuit city on Earth and buy Overwatch 1 and a shrink wrap Xbox One case, you go home, it updates to for, or Overwatch 2. And, yeah. and, and it's so instead of like it's a lottery system where you unlock random cosmetics. What has largely replaced the loot box is the battle pass. And what right. people don't yeah. like about the battle pass is it means that, like, you pay extra, but and you eventually know what you're getting, but it means everybody has the same shit. Anybody who does this one thing gets the same shit. I think the way I described it to you guys, too, the reason that I don't buy into a lot of battle passes is, like, Imagine going to work and paying your boss up front to say, I'm going to have the privilege now of working for you to earn these things over the next two weeks. Because that's basically what battle passes it's are. Insane. It's like, hey, I'm giving you 20 bucks and I know now there's a premium tier of stuff I'll earn by putting in the work, quote unquote, of playing the game, right? Like mm -hmm. it's like basically this way of – and the other reason I don't like them is it guilts you into playing that game, which they want. Right, like they right. they make money my on you worth. playing every day, like on stickiness, as they call it. You know, the, the player retention, right? And so, like when you buy, yeah, when you buy into a battle pass, I personally don't, I don't like that feeling of oh shit, I only have a week left on the battle pass. I better scramble. Like it, it creates this like tension and un uneasiness with me. I'm like, oh, I better go use my battle pass worth <laughs> worth of money, right? Because I I paid in. I, so I don't mind. Like, I don't mind it. The only game I'm currently playing that uses one is Marvel Snap. And oh, I bought the first one and like, oh, a card that I'll never use, an avatar I don't want. Uh, and that all you can promise me otherwise is extra extra currency, which I could just buy for less than this. And your battle passes slash seasons are a week and a half. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> this well, is totally not worth it. To answer your earlier question, Matt, yes, I do have an example of a game you that went big. They, they went big on loot boxes. People did not appreciate it, but uh, here's a sound. Oh, God. Is that ringing any bells? Yeah, I mean, that's Shaking some Star Wars-ass sound. That, yeah. That's a Star Wars-ass sound. Yeah. I, I, I this game might be one of the big reasons yeah, we so don't see as many of these. because Star Wars Battlefront 2 was infamous, yeah. and it removed yeah. the loot boxes in, like, 2018. So, and right. and it, it cost EA a lot of money, and let's be frank, EA was one of the biggest publishers taking, you know, having this type of thing in their games. And, right. like, I, I remember the news articles at the time, it was like, the head of Disney was calling the CEO of, of EA, like, what the hell's going on? We just hear, we, we see all this negative press about yeah. our Star Wars game. I think it was Bob Iger at the time was like calling yeah, up like, the head of EA, like, hey, did, we have to fix EA this. EA bought the exclusive Star Wars, I, I think, video game license for 10 years. And they were real slow. 
I think at the end, at the end of it, they're going to have one like a mobile game or two to show for it. Two Star Wars Battlefronts and two Jedi Survivors, and they locked down the Star Wars license in gaming oh, and for a the, decade. The uh, what was the X Wing game? The oh right, yes, yeah, Squadrons. Squadrons. Rogue, uh, Squadrons. Thank you. Okay, five. We got yeah. five <laughs> Star Wars games in ten yeah. years. When arguably Star Wars was hot as fuck, and yeah. and that was it. And I think that's what. Yeah, a bunch of people ended up seeing loot boxes for the first time because of how much they love Star Wars and how much they. The most I ever spent on loot boxes, ironically, Mass Effect. That'll lead into, I think, another entry. Mass, Mass Effect, Effect had loot bo- Again, e- an EA game, right? I'm telling yeah, you, right. like, like Battlefront 2, I think, soured EA to loot boxes. And sort of as EA goes, a lot of the time the rest of the industry goes. Um, and it was coupled with the, the all these threats of, of regulation from the, other The writing was and, on the wall. People were going to yeah. start really cracking down on, on loot boxes. And you were going to have to... Bringing your game to a different territory was going to become a, a massive ordeal if all of your monetization was based on it. So, they, yeah, not a goodness of their heart thing. It was just like the writing was on the wall. Loot boxes were going to get regulated. Well, I, I never think of it as a goodness of their heart thing, but I do know that if there's enough of an outcry, then, yeah, they they will often respond. Like, okay, we can't do this again. This is hurting our sales. I, but, it, that's, but that's where I think loot boxes outweighed the negative outcry because the negative outcry was there immediately yeah. because of what i just said about the five percent of whales yeah. your 90 percent, 95 percent of your criticism is outweighed by the five percent of people who well, indulge in yeah this. that's the thing if like if twitter is exploding with negative sentiment but you're making money hand over fist then yes <laughs> you you will probably yeah. want to ignore the negative sentiment yeah, until, at least until the money dries up. I, I, it was something. It was the. I, I mean, uh, pardon me for not patting myself on the back, but because people, I rarely suggest anything these guys want to talk about. But I, this is a last minute suggestion that swapped in for something else because it just occurred to me while playing a mobile game. Like I haven't seen a loot box in like three years. What went on? And I think what really went on, and I don't know this for a fact, loot boxes were becoming very controversial. They were starting to get noticed by mainstream governments around the world and starting to get regulated. And then we had our pandemic and there was more people playing Mm. online than ever Mm. before. And it's Mm. like, I think maybe a, there were more people spending, let's call it legit money online than ever before slash. This could be a real problem after the pandemic. When we go back and dad looks through his credit card, and there's 800 million Smurf berries, and they didn't get a single pop of Smurf beard. And mm. I don't know. This is just an example of what I play. He's calling <laughs> out Ubisoft for their mobile games, Michael. You better stop and move on to the next entry. <laughs> uh, that one was not Ubisoft, actually. But let's move on to the next entry anyway. Number four. It was Super Mario 64 that first moved us into, into fully rendered game worlds. It was the Wii Remote that got us up off the couch and into a new world of game control. And today, as I mentioned at the outset, we're not just raising the bar, but we're making that bar extend far into the distance. 3D play on Nintendo (laughs) 3DS is on the way. I gave it away in the sound clip there, but uh, yeah, 3D, not just... In 3DS. Uh, I'm using that as the jumping off point because that, I think, is the most successful example of 3D usage in video games. Uh, Stereoscopic 3D. Uh, But this was very widespread. The industry was leaning hard into it, as I'll let uh, Jack Tretton 
explain the same year. Now, much like HD and Blu-ray, we know that gamers are going to drive 3D adoption. And our commitment to 3D is unwavering. And we're adding more content all the time. Did I, did I mention we also sell TVs? Because yeah. Xbox doesn't and didn't do this. And by the way, it, it was unwavering until they wavered. Because yeah. that commitment yeah. went away in a few years. Well, that's why it's ironic and funny. To wit... We're going to break the mold on pricing for 3D this year and make the entrance into 3D more affordable than ever for everyone. I'm happy to announce today that we'll, there will be two new 3D hardware products available uh, on the PlayStation portfolio. To start with, we're introducing a PlayStation-branded 3D display. This is a 24-inch display developed specifically to provide consumers with affordable access to best-in-class 3D entertainment. Wow, 24 whole inches. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was in 2011. Uh, it was it was 500 American dollars, US dollars. Ooh. And yeah, it was it was it's just it's a really nice 24-inch TV that does 3D and is specifically for playing Resistance 3 on. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, it's Sony... like I'm not I'm not making fun of people with smaller TVs. Mm-hmm. But at that price and that dimension, you are sacrificing reading any subtitle for for 3D. That's that Sony inch. Premium, baby. Yeah. That is that is oh. quite the Sony Premium. I mean, if if you're playing like using it as a monitor on a desk, like that is a great fucking monitor. But, 24 uh, inches, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sure. Why not? And it's like but, the size of my pipe. You know what? I, I will bet it was a shitty fucking monitor, even at the time. Yeah, it was. It was well reviewed. Actually, I looked into this. Okay, read, no. read well, was it a monitor or a TV display? It was a TV. It was a TV. Okay, okay. but but yeah, like that. That's kind of small for a modern TV, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, Sony was going big on the stereoscopic uh, TV 3D. Uh, where, whereas Nintendo just used it, like it was the gimmick that got people to buy the 3DS. The 3DS is not just a more powerful version of the DS. It has a completely unique three-dimensional magic trick that will get people in the door. And then most people will want to turn it off within the, the first couple years. Here's where I'm at in my life with all of this stuff. There was a movie, I highly recommend finding this movie if you can, starring John Goodman called Matinee. Matt, yes. Mant! Mant! Matt, 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 Matinee is is all about you know like the stuff that theater Williams owners back Castle. in the day used used to do to bring people into movie theaters, and they were all gimmicks. It was things like smell a vision, right, and 3D mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. And and you quickly like you know watching that movie, like I, I always go back to the movie of like yeah, all of this stuff. There, these are all gimmicks that surround the core. The, the core experience is the games. The games have to be good, and no amount yeah. of gimmickry ultimately is going to make up for if a game's good or bad. And so I just, I don't spend a lot of time or attention on the gimmickry, like stuff like, like 3d. I'm like, yeah, cause you know, your brain gets used to it after five minutes. Anyway, I'd rather just shut it off and, and yeah. see how I this mean, game. However, it, however, it was neat. It got people in the door and yeah, Nintendo was totally channeling William Castle right there. Who was like the I, real yes. life guy who did the tingler and all that gimmick shit. I, I personally love watching, you can see it a lot in Looney Tunes. Like, is there a doctor in the house? A silhouette? I'm a doctor having no idea this would be shown almost exclusively on television. Right. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, but that, that's why I love it because, like, uh, um, movies and games now have almost a similar tra- uh, trajectory or timeline of obsession with 3D, like, every 12 years. 
yeah. video games are like we're we're and not you know not like 3D graphics, but like polarized 3D mm-hmm. on your screen. I like can, World I Runner 3D on the NES. Thanks to a Dan Amrick sale. Okay. What am I holding up here, Michael? Rad Racer. Rad what, Racer. What do you see uh, up here in the glasses. corner? Yeah. Yeah. 3D. You got the glasses? Uh, there got, were a got couple the of square games where if you hit select, it would go into yes. polarized 3D mode. Yeah. And the, uh, the Master System, I think, had something similar, or maybe like a glasses component. Uh, to it like it, it it comes and goes and it, it, you know what's yeah. what, what i think is most hilarious about it it'll happen again hmm. well, it, it already did happen again it, with vr like, yeah people don't That's talk about it but VR like is. one of the most compelling parts of vr is like it, it is actually 3d that works and works all the time and, and oh, yeah. the illusion the illusion lasts in vr yeah, like, those, like yeah i mean yes some of these are are being supplanted by vr both 3d and another thing we'll talk about but i feel like 3D, like there was, there was a time when a lot of AAA games had 3D. Yeah, I remember Arkham yeah. City had 3D. You know that same press conference, Jack Tretton makes a big deal out of like we're going to put out two collections that have 3D support: the God of War second collection, which has the PSP games on PS3, and also yeah. uh, the Eco and the Shadow of the Colossus collection. And the Shadow of the Colossus in 3D, I'll say again, I've said it before, is what convinced me to buy a 3D TV because like the sense of scale was so awe-inspiring and then it's just like everything else this is i could take or leave but how's just you, that one 3D, game that, what's up with the 3d tv now Michael? oh uh dave rudden has it <laughs> 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 i gave it to him for free uh <laughs> uh, yes. for, for for 3d or for free yeah. so but, but what i remember is, michael I, I, being genuinely excited yeah. about this because there were certain things that were happening on screen and like well we've yeah. never really seen that before like uh, games had Previous 3D games have been pretty basic in in gameplay yeah. display. So I think mm-hmm. you were playing like a Killzone two or three or something yeah, like Kill that. Yeah, Killzone three. I was playing that on 3D in the office. Yeah, and this is the most like advanced looking game with 3D effects. And there, I remember you sat me down and I'm like, yeah, like it really conveys distance for for. I, I just an anecdote for no one. Uh, Padukins Adam and I went the other weekend to a 3D. Uh, presentation of Creature from the Black Lagoon during uh, Tallahassee's history because it was filmed here. Um, and and it, it, a <laughs> they transcoded it wrong. The sound was completely out of sync. They stopped it and had to play the non three D version for a theater full of uh, IMAX theater full of people. Jesus. <laughs> uh, but but I mean to me that's fascinating because the creature always gets lumped in with the Universal monsters, but he's twenty years removed. And came out in, 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 oh, it, well, this is neither here nor there, but Universal's, he's the only monster that Universal created. And that's why we haven't seen a shit ton of remakes. Never mind. But, but like, uh, it comes and goes with movies. And we did a laser time about lost media. Just last night, I, I falling asleep, I'm like, I'm just going to put on Jackass 3, parentheses D. Mm-hmm. That is lost. There is there is no uh, the, the superior 3D version of Jackass 3D was exclusive to a streaming service no one will remember. Wow! <laughs> and I, I think there there's a regular anamorphic one on the Blu-ray, but like I was like I really want to see this in 3D. I don't hate 3D. Uh, yeah, I just how, don't like yeah. glasses. How am I going to appreciate Steve-O's balls if they're not actually dangling <laughs> in my face like that? Shit know? is so funny. So, Reggie Fisame, <laughs> uh, what, in your opinion, uh, was the reason that 3D didn't take off? 
there's nothing to watch yet or play on big screen 3D. But maybe most of all, it's the glasses. Yeah. You know, man, those glasses. And make no mistake, that kind of fashion forward statement doesn't come cheap. Don't be surprised to pay a hefty amount of money for those glasses. And that's for every person in the room. Yeah. But in addition, like, even if the glasses were cheap, which they sometimes were, depending on what kind of TV you were getting. But I think, I think the Sony, the, the PlayStation 3 era stuff, that was with like the rechargeable. You had a, yeah. a USB charged yeah. set of glasses. I mean, there, there were polarized lenses, or you could get the kinds that had like the little USB, like the powered shutters, which, uh, yeah. But it's, it was, it was just, it's just damned inconvenient to put on a pair of glasses to play a game in a special mode that in the end doesn't really add all that much. And, right. and so I think, you know, this was kind of killed off by a lack of interest from the public, but also 4K. Because one of the main reasons yeah. we had 3D was yeah. because TV manufacturers were like, okay, things have What's stalled next? out with yeah. 1080p. Yeah, what do we do next? Yeah. What can we what can we introduce that will get people to buy a new TV? And they they stumbled onto 3D that... and then like 4K, okay, we can quadruple the resolution. Great, yeah. let's do that instead. That was that was fucking hilarious to me. And I loved, you know, working in the games industry and having friends who worked in tech to just laugh about that because TVs had reached 1080p and needed another selling point. So they yeah. kept upping like the frame rates that there was like four years where it was just like the Hertz and like, that's fine for me, for me as a, I like games and I understand frame rate. If this person is not playing games, what in the office is going to be enhanced yeah. if you can interpolate 190 well, frames a second. That's the problem with it, right, is is most <laughs> television is broadcast in, like, you know, less than 30 frames per second, right? And so it's like, yeah. it's like even a 60 frames per second television does nothing for you if you're not playing games on it. You know, it, yes. what it does for you is the fucking soap opera effect. It exactly. does the... Yes. It, it adds we, additional we did, frames and makes things look terrible. Ten, ten years ago... On 302010, we discussed on a recent episode. Do you remember when Peter Jackson released those 48 frames a second Hobbit yes. movies? Yes. Another form of lost media. Hmm. It, it cannot, I don't think it can be displayed uh, technically on a Blu ray at this point. And also, and I, I couldn't dig further into it because you want to know why? No one's asking for it. <laughs> no, no, no one, nobody wants it. James Cameron and Peter Jackson—they're the people who wanted sixty frame a second movies. That was it. I think the it's hilarious. Did not that, want it. It's hilarious that you know because film is—it's—it's it's around twenty-four frames per second, and yeah. so like with games, it's thirty or sixty, and then for film, Peter Jackson's like, all right, well, fuck it, double it. Uh, then forty-eight. We're doing forty-eight hertz. Fuckers. Doing forty-eight now. <laughs> like this what? Hand, and it's crazy to me because we were talking about it, and like there isn't really any way to watch The Hobbit like that. But that's what it was created in mind to be shown. Eh, let's be honest. There's no reason and, to watch The Hobbit. To begin no. with, so. I know. <laughs> it's, just, it's just one of those things that, like, when I found out there was a three D creature from the Black Lagoon as a little kid, I'm like, I got to see this, and there wasn't any way to do that. And eventually that was remedied. This is a little harder to, the re to remedy, but sorry, that was just TV. Like m my buddy who worked in TVs, until they create a, another standard in resolution, they don't have anything to sell televisions off of. And I think weirdly 3D was that stopgap in between it was. Hertz it was. and resolution. 
Well, there's a lot. So I used to, as part of my job early in the games industry, I used to have to go to CES every year. And so I would always see like, well, what's the latest thing they're pushing now with TVs, right? And so, yeah, at first it was HD and then it was, okay, uh, frame rates on HD. Then it was the lightness, the thinness of the screens. There was a size year where it's like, hey, no we're fucking, we got the, the bigger the, the TV we can get. And then, yeah, I remember going to a CES where it's like, this is the 3D year. Everyone's pushing 3D. I had to put on stupid ass glasses to watch a 3D presentation in this like little stadium setting. And it's like, I knew at the time, I'm like, no one's going to want to do this, especially guys like me who wear glasses when they watch right. TV. I'm like, I'm not putting second pair of glasses over my glasses. Oh, yes, you are. That's what's so weird to me. Uh, 3D glasses, I, I am now, de- I wasn't, like when we started podcasting, I wasn't completely dependent on glasses. I wasn't, but that's where my eyesight is now. I need glasses all the time. Yeah. Um, VR has made that a much more... How did VR make wearing glasses while viewing VR a more comfortable experience than 3D glasses? I guess because they're not mass-produced on the same level. Uh, because most 3D glasses are like 30 cents and most VR goggles are hundreds of dollars. Hmm. But like, it's way more comfortable for me to wear VR goggles over my glasses than any 3D glasses I've ever worn, with the possible exception of Muppets 3D Vision currently in Disney World, don't let it close down due to lack of interest, and I was just there and it looks like that's happening. I it's Muppets 4D, by the way, because they have what the, uh, they got like live puppets in the theater. It's amazing. Yeah. That show they is They send you back in time to tell yourself at the entrance, like, what the plot of the movie is and that you don't need to go in. That's right. Yeah. But, but that's like, right. talking to you guys the other week, and I, I never thought of VR as a 3D, a th- I never qualified it in the 3D category. Or as a trend that might be ending its cycle. Because it does seem, PS. the news articles are PSVR way undersold. Mm. And people are predicting a price cut because it is not moving. Facebook's bet on Meta. Meta VR, not going great. Nope. It looks like, it looks like it's following the same trend as 3D. And I just never considered VR 3D because I thought they were more comfortable. I thought it was more immersive. I thought there were more ways to take advantage of that, especially in games. But but I, again, when I thought about it, I thought about it a little long, a little hard, walked, paced around, like whatever your favorite pacing meme is. Uh, mine's the guy from Narcos. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite 3D gaming experiences, and I have multiple copies, Matt, one sealed, one to play. The Sega 3D Classics for 3DS. These oh, are yeah. games Those I've are had forever, and I can play through emulation if I want to, but like... Pl- like giving me a reason to replay these old games in a way I've never experienced them, that to me was so much fun. Like, I I love the Sega 3D games. uh, And I love that 3DS collection. And I have a feeling that's one of the few sealed games I have that is going to be worth anything. Because I don't know where that... I don't know if that's high up on the docket on Sega to re-release or like re-retrofit for VR. I mean, and Nintendo like, did it with some Nintendo classics too. Remember, like right, that was yeah. a big thing on 3DS. You know, but yeah. like when you think like they could do that in VR, I'm like they could, but they could like there's nothing you can really do for head tracking. Like those games exist in that window, and that's kind of it. It would be um, that fake thing of of you're looking at a TV inside a VR. Yeah, headset, like, the, it, like it, it can't truly take advantage of VR. So, but it's weird that. I did also, my one of my favorite VR experiences, I'm playing Resident Evil 7, and I wasn't terrified until th- like an hour and 40 minutes in, my father calls, and my phone shook me, and it like, wow, I was in a different world. 
<laughs> I, where I didn't have a phone, because Ethan doesn't. <laughs> I, I didn't have a phone, and that really fucking shook me. And that was the scariest fucking experience of Resident <laughs> Evil 7 and VR for me. Well, it's. It, I wanted to talk about 3D also, because, you know, we did just bid farewell Sorry. to the eShop last week. But yeah. it's good that you're talking about VR, because that also ties in with our... Number three! Two years ago at E3, we pulled the curtain back on Nintendo DS. And many said... Huh? It can't be done. Last year at E3, we uncaged Nintendogs. And many asked, <laughs> really? <laughs> then nine months ago at the Tokyo Game Show, we revealed how we from Nintendo will change game control forever. And a lot of people said, well, we'll see. Fair enough. Because today, you will see. And tomorrow, You'll start to feel. <laughs> You'll start to feel. And I realize. Why does like, it sound like he's saying, suck on my Nintendo nuts? Like, and in every line there, he's just like, we fucking told you guys. Like, it's so disrespectful, yeah. but in a How respectful business setting. How dare anyway. you continue to question us and mm-hmm. what we do? Uh, and, and, you know, realizing just now, like, yeah, talking about a press conference from 2006 in the context of modern gaming is a bit like. You know, it's 2003. Remember when Nintendo unveiled in 1987? <laughs> yeah, 1986. No, it's uh, it's been a fucking long time. I hate those comparisons. Mm-hmm. But yes, I know what yep, you mean. Yep, yep. But uh, so we introduced motion controls, and I know, like, again, motion controls haven't really been a part of anything since I, I guess like two generations ago. Really, they 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 sort of came and went. Uh, they're still well, very much a part of the Switch. VR. Yeah, yeah, you can, but how many people but that's, actually But do? that's how little anybody wants it. They well, could do it I mean, you, you, you take them off to play Just Dance, and that's about it. What else are you going to uh, do with those? Switch Sports and Just Dance. Oh, uh, yeah, and, okay, Switch Sports. And the exercise One, two, three, game, Ring, Ring Fit. But it, Ring was, fit it was very much like Nintendo came out with this, and everyone immediately wanted to jump on board. Remember this shit? I want you to watch this very, very carefully. Look at what I'm doing. I lift up the controller and it flies. This controller has six degrees of freedom built into it as standard with no (laughs) external sensor required. So I can move this controller in six degrees of freedom using my hands as the entire input device. Uh, when I think of freedom, I think six, six choices. Degrees. Yeah, six <laughs> axis. No rumble in six axis because oh, rumble is last gen. This is There's no room next for it. gen. Yeah. We got we have too many axes in here. We can't I, I possibly mean, have rumble. Probably they had not worked out the kinks to have both of those things at the same time. I'm sure the rumble would have messed with the uh, I, I think it made it more and it made it more, way more expensive hmm. because you had to condense that uh to such yeah. a degree. And, but sidebar it's shocked that rumble don't you feel like rumble i'm not buying a new playstation one control (laughs) rumble but when you when you try to play without it i can feel when it's Mm. missing and i hate it i hate i hate like third-party controllers that don't have rumble you're like this i feel shortchanged this sucks but I, i think that highlights the problem with motion controls because you're not you are dictating where and when you get rumble in certain areas, but you're not 
automatically queuing that. And I read an article by someone much smarter than me on why no motion controls may ever work. Because, uh, but because to go back in time, I, I was interviewed to work with Michael. Uh, and one of the questions was like, what new technology are you, what new thing are you most excited about? And I was just like, I went off on the Wii. Like, uh, and even to this day, I can say like, I'm, I'm not a dev. I'm dumb. I don't know what new tech can be brought to gaming other than prettier visuals. But the idea of the Wii motion controller was like, this is offering completely new experiences, immersive things we've never done before. We saw how that turned out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I, I believe, scientomologically, how your brain works, uh, and the reason why controllers generally are better when they're smaller uh, and everybody can reach them is because you can, without thinking about it, initiate multiple actions with one movement. In your brain, with every motion control thing I've ever played, okay, if I move over here, it'll then do something. Maybe. <laughs> if it detects, mm -hmm. even when it's really great, it's like you are you have to press a button twice because you're, you're, I am moving this over here in order for this to register and this to cause an input situation. Mm -hmm. Whereas a controller is still one thing, one input. It's still a two input situation to your brain and you can't, can't get used to it. And you also can't really kids are the only, like Matt ha, can attest, like kids love figuring out how to control shit. So they love it. But like as an adult, it was fucking annoying. Yeah. Everything became harder. Well, and, and then you like everything that you do that you spent your whole life fantasizing, like this is going to be so cool. Like trying to play there, there was a move game that I remember came out that like had like you realistically pantomiming like sword swings and, and it was first person and like archery. And it's just like, I played it for five minutes and I was immediately sore. Like this is exhausting. I might've gotten nerve damage from skyward sword. Hmm. I did get that like it's not worth it. A big, a big uh, swollen lump on my wrist from playing boom blocks of all things. So that, and that I'm not, I'm not saying they're but you should, like you should obviously motion control technology can improve. That's for sure. But as I get older, do you guys ever have like an experience like this? Oh, the new Zelda is out, and I sit there and I kind of stare at it like. Do I want to start this and mm. relearn controls and completely what is everything in Zelda is so new and different? Do I re, like you kind of got to give every game, especially with what we do, like an hour and a half hour? Do I really want to start that? That feels like double for all motion controls. Yeah, because I have to learn how to work with this thing that I can't see. <laughs> Most yeah, I, I just feel I always feel like with them it's much like 3D like once the gimmick wears off of oh how fun I move my arm and he moves the tennis racket at the end of the day it just ends up being a worse control experience yeah. to Chris's yeah. point like I'd, I I'm so much more precise with a controller with a joystick and buttons that it's like yeah I mean so so you know motion control still works in things like switch sports and it's fun right like the bowling's fun and stuff like that but if I I also know like if I just did this on a controller, I would get strikes every every time. Right? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. There, there's no there's Put no a rubber band here. or on the, my two analog sticks. It was also yeah. interesting going back through all these old press conferences and realizing, like, oh, they were talking about this as though like this is going to open the door to so many more people. Like the idea was 
if you are intimidated yeah. by a controller, right. then here's something that is automatically intuitive. You already know what to do. Connect sensor detects both movement and sound in very yeah. sophisticated ways. It recognizes you. It responds to your gestures and it listens to your voice. With technology like this, there are no barriers and no learning curves. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> except so, so except that the barrier the and the learning curve is always like, wait, what do I do that does what? I, you know, not every- Yeah, grandma can immediately walk in the living room and start playing Red Steel 2. Yeah. <laughs> like, or no, or the, the, uh, the, the, what was the, the mercenary game? Like the terrible real life mercenary company? Blackwater. They had a connect <sighs> game. <laughs> what? <laughs> you don't remember that? But Eric it's funny. Prince, I, maybe I didn't know who they were back then. No, you was, knew who they were. They were in the news. It's, it's funny you play a Kinect clip, though, because they... So, actually, for Nintendo, that did work out for them. Like, the reason the, the yeah. Wii sold, like, 100 million-plus units or whatever Wii the hell sports. it did, it's, well, but, but But also, like, just, like, it was, it did remove the barrier for a lot of people. But I think the problem is, is once they came through the door and got in there, they, they saw how imprecise it was. They were like, oh, this is just, like, a toy. It's, like, a fun yeah. little thing but it's it's but, not like a deep gaming experience but then and, the connect is like grandma is never gonna buy metroid other m what are you thinking right right, right. <laughs> but but then the the connect is a perfect example they're like okay look we're gonna take out some of the imprecision of these wiimotes right because like at the end of the day sometimes the controls even even the advanced version where they they actually sold like an advanced version of a wiimote that was more precise speaking of skyward yeah. sword yeah but like the, the that was the problem know, then the connect was just like hey we're removing the controller altogether. The most intuitive yeah. thing ever. Just your fucking body, baby. And guess what? Your body is garbage as a game <laughs> controller. It's <laughs> yes. the fucking worst. Yes. Try my to use the fucking Nintendo Power like, Pad and tell me how your body out is. out my back. Uh, imagine, try and imagine, I'm trying to imagine my life every time I have back problems if I couldn't play video games because they were all motion controlled. Uh, it would be hell. I think there is one E3 moment that you can tie and say this was the moment when motion controls as a mainstream thing died. We started seeing other opportunities, other ways to interact with the world, with, with Elizabeth, you know, with the skyline, how you can move around in that space. Now, but I don't have a ton of time for discussing those things, and we're going to talk about that another day, and we're just getting rolling. But we're going to have PlayStation move on the Bioshock Infinite on Bioshock Infinite. And the exciting part is we're just starting to get our head around what that could mean. They never got their head around what it could mean. That, no. is, that was Ken Levine in uh, 2011 at E3 and talking about that, like, he had, he had I guess, bad-mouthed move in an interview and Sony had called him up and said, like, hey, but, you know, you l- let us convince you and, and see how many more people this could open up to your game. And they never included... Move controls. <laughs> and and not only that, I forgot there was something else immediately after that. Everybody focused on the move controls. I don't remember anyone ever talking about this again. You know, there's, there's another game we've been thinking about for a long time. It's a bit of a, a pet project of Irrationals. And it's set in the Bioshock universe. And this has been kicking around for a few years now. And it's very early days and the design is still evolving. But recently, we, you know, we found the right home for it. It's on this guy. On the NGP. And so this is going to be interesting, too. The NGP was the early name for the Vita. So there was going to be a... He announced there was going to be a Bioshock on Vita that never materialized. I... 
That's crazy for a, a Bioshock game that no one has followed up on and no one is, where is it? Show us the, show us the prototype. You know what's and, crazy and, uh, is, is why does Ken Levine sound so much like Paul Lind in that clip? Like, I, I, I never, never <laughs> I was going to do a Paul Lind impression, but I realize it's just Rip Taylor. That's all I can do. <laughs> Ow! So much Roger that. the end. A little bit, Stan. <laughs> there it is. Um, There's the Paul Lind. What, what, what a, one of my fa- my favorite social media posts that failed, but ma- like I every once in a while I see it and like still makes me laugh. Is walking down San Francisco, bad neighborhood, and like it was hung on a gate with no one around, like laundry. Was the PlayStation Move Killzone assault rifle <laughs> thing? And, and and I was like, and I said somewhere somebody is playing Killzone 3 incorrectly. And like it was two years after that came out and someone just abandoned it. It wow. was it was over. I remember trying to play SOCOM 4 with that in the office on like a, a little 24-inch TV in a small dark room like a few feet from the television and it's like this is impossible. Because I'm I'm First off, I have to hold up this full-size plastic rifle, and then I have to move it around on screen. These are yeah. muscles that I am not used to using in gaming. And, like, I actually have, like, such a tiny area that I can move it around because that uh, uh, that size of TV is not very big when you're sitting a right, few feet away. Right, right. It's like, it's like you're f- literally firing into a barrel that is set on a wall. Uh-huh. Well, how, how else do you get your, you know, your 3D PlayStation if you don't have yeah. your 24-inch PlayStation? <laughs> but, like, you know, I have to make very minute movements to adjust my aim, and it's just like, this is this is not good for this at all. Part of the reason I don't PC game anymore is because of the nerve damage I experienced um, like about 10 years ago and have had minor resurgences ever since. And it's in my elbows and shoulders. Mm. And, you know, with a controller, I can kind of like lie down. I can put it at my chest. I can put it over by my side, put it in my lap. And I can't really do that with a mouse and keyboard. It's and that, and that was one of those things I keep saying why like PCs became a symbol of work and pain mm. for me and, and, and games became a respite and yeah, can't be a PC gamer in any way anymore mm. because of that. And, and, and motion controls are just that times a thousand <laughs> times yeah. a thousand. I, I and, just and always ma- remember getting mad at them, like, because especially with that like, connect, remember connect. Okay. First of all, connect is what lost Microsoft, the last gaming generation, like mm. shipping, with a yep. mandatory connect, yes. an additional $200 to your system, that's why PS4 yeah. won. Because if X- Xbox 360 had won the previous generation by far, and then they came out and they required it. But, like, part of the fun of them requiring it, like, do you guys remember Xbox One had this, like, exercise whole experience where you mm-hmm. could you could buy, pay for and download workouts? And I, I, I use that like a nerd. Um, and I remember getting so upset because, like, it was not... I was doing the yoga moves it told me to do and it yeah. was not working properly because, you know, Connect was, it's, it's a camera. It's prone yeah. to like, hey, the light in your room is wrong and it's not recognizing the right shit. Or like if your dog walks by in the background, it picks them up. Like it was just really frustrating. I'm like, you know, I don't need this. I can just go to the fucking gym. Yeah, I can go to my, yoga class I, and have I, a teacher I, tell me if I'm doing it properly. I tried not. getting mm-hmm. the UFC workout game for, for the 360 using it with Connect. And realizing, like, the Connect cannot see my floor. Most of these exercises are done lying on the floor. Yeah, that my two of my favorite 
experiences in games journalology. Uh, one was like being chummy with some devs after a demo, and they were sort of like, "We got a big problem with the Connect." Uh, uh, this is very much related to the game I was demoing. Uh, can't see really small kids. I'm like, what? Hmm. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, we kind of had to optimize this experience for you, a six foot adult, and it kind of registers things under four feet as legs. Kind of. Like, yeah. just, just legs. Yeah. yeah. You remember, I and, think, wasn't and, it a, an upgrade? Or maybe it was the one, because Connect came out on 360 originally, right? And then they had the Xbox One where it finally could recognize people sitting down for like people mm. that were in wheelchairs and stuff. Like it was not mm-hmm. always, you could not oh, yeah, always yeah. use it. Like they're, they're, they had to improve that tech. It's so funny though. You talk about, they don't recognize little kids. Like one of the games, I think Microsoft paid double fine to do this one was that Sesame street connect yeah. game yep. that yep. like, you know, was meant to be played with you and little kids. Like, that one got us in trouble at our old job because the reviewer for it used the word ape shit. <laughs> oh, really? the Sesame Street game. I'll never forget his because re- at the end, like where the score was, he gave it an eight, and like, but just remember, it and it great. was the count eight, eight, eight. Yeah. He is great. Mm-hmm. And, and, had but yeah, I had also, he just like, said A is for ape shit, it would have been fine, right? Yeah. Like that's <laughs> I, like my my Jerry Maguire moment in gaming. I've very, very, very rarely had, like extremely rarely, not even Michael turning around from a desk to compliment me. But people calling, texting, or sending me messages to compliment me. I kind of took an assignment that nobody wanted, and I told my boss, like, if I'm going to have to cover the E3 Connect showcase. A, I don't really want to do that, but I kind of do if you just let me do whatever I want. Like, I'm not going to be like, uh, this game has potential. I'm like, this sucks. This doesn't work. I'm going to say it. And he said, yeah. Like, I think, I, I yeah. Well, I mean, we try and always do that, but like, these connect games keep <laughs> getting previews like that. And I, I go into the E3 booth and every single connect game, uh, every single game, they have a plastic like McDonald's playland, clear bubble dome around you. So people in the other press mainstream press can film you while you're playing every demo. Yeah. And I get, to connect and like, uh, all right, you're gonna play the, uh, dance to I'm Han Solo. This is the Star Wars Connect year, mm. and and nothing works. And he's like, ah, like uh, it has problems with reflective surfaces. I'm like, then why did you build a reflective surface? <laughs> and, and and like and and then like uh, uh, like why is this registering? It's like, oh, you're being filmed by the BBC. I'm like, the fuck does that have to do with anything? Like, oh the a camera pointed at connect makes everything wonky. I'm like, why would you show your product like this? What is like nothing worked. And so I just said it. I played six games. They were all not fun. And none of them worked in the, in in the demo experience. They may work in your household. I remember if you remember, Dave would say he had an eight foot apartment in San Francisco. He might've been the most ideal connect candidate. He likes a lot of the connect games. Never worked in my apartment. Very small. And, and that whole E3 demo, and people were like calling me like, oh man, that was fucking, I'm glad somebody finally said it. <laughs> like I'm getting calls from across the country <laughs> and emails like, uh, like I'm glad somebody finally said this about Connect. Like it, why showcase a product like this? Yeah. And, and the only other, I'll, I'll stop, the, 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 a fun anecdote just because it relates to, to, to news I heard recently. One of our you know former bosses was promoted to a much bigger company and I didn't go to the E3 Connect demo, but 
listen to that podcast because Brett was there and they made them unwitting like mascots of Connect right, yeah. with light up shoulders. Everybody had to wear the friggin' ponchos and stand for the whole thing and like you're gonna be part they, of the light show and Brett's like you no, got I'm professional you got professional write ups and previews out of that and then I think that was one of those things that boosted podcasts because everybody's podcast is about this like this was miserable and they should they should have paid or told us mm. that we would be unwitting participants in their marketing campaign. Everybody was super fucking pissed about it. Yeah. And uh, one of the guys like, like, you know how much that demo costs? Like, what? Like, what do you think the Microsoft Connect demo costs for E3? Uh, this, just the showcase, that not not the stuff on the show floor. Take a guess. $10 million. It, Michael is closest. $12 million. Wow. And one of the things oh, I wow. saw, of like, why is E3 canceled? Uh, this year and one of the little reasons how do we justify building an ostentatious booth when almost all of these companies just laid off 30,000 people yep and how do how do we justify in this new climate like wow that's something I wouldn't have predicted 10 years ago like people in the general public caring enough to like fuck you why would you do that Mm-hmm. What a, what a shitty fucking move! And like, wow, it's one of those reasons for E three existence I never would have considered. But yeah, like if you, Microsoft, who laid off thirty thousand people through a twelve million dollar press conference for a motion controller in twenty twenty three, like Twitter might explode, and not in a good way. No. I, I wonder though if they made their money back because you guys know the origins of connecting ultimately what it ended up being used a lot for right doctor shit uh military shit so it yeah. has its origins in, in israeli military tech like that camera tech and the u.s military started to use it because what it was really good at was mapping out spaces and kind of creating simulations of said space and so they use it to like map out here's like yeah. a 3d battleground i don't know if they're still using it but that that's that's ultimately where it got a lot of industrial use. And it's probably not the actual like retail connects you're buying, you know, for mm-hmm. 200 bucks or whatever at the time. But like, yeah, because at the time we were all sort of creeped out by the, the, by the tech. We're like, this shit is spying on me. It's literally, I'm installing a camera in my living room. that's <laughs> spying on me as I watch TV and game. And they were kind of right. Yeah. yeah. And then that, that, that's sort of my takeaway. Like I've been gaming and my, my, final thought on motion controls i've been playing games in such a certain way for so long to introduce a new experience like that and in expecting me to respond well to it and then be the industry to respond to that change is kind of a little naive and like i don't i don't think we know now it's not worth the benefit of bringing in the cashies uh sacrificing the core gamers for this kind of idea. So I, I don't think motion controls outside of an arcade experience will end up in our homes uh, to such an extent. V Again, VR, very accurate, like even in its early forms uh, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. In the last yeah. couple of years. Uh, so I, I do want to say like the, the connect kind of had its last gasp for all this talk as a glorified microphone. Uh, yeah. This might be the last big, like, use of it that anybody had good things to say about james carnage with the connect i can stay engaged and continue without pausing the game right 
I just finished playing Mass Effect 3 with the Kinect, and it was absolutely incredible. It's much more involving. Now that you don't have to point and click, I can just see me screaming in the middle of the battle. All you have to do is look at the enemy, and you just say it, and they do it. response in the game was quick. So yeah, Mass Effect 3. Uh, that, it, it, that is so weird, because the most functionality I got out of the Kinect, which I still kind of love, even though I don't like Alexa, is you get home from a hard day of work and I just walk into the kitchen through the living room like Xbox turn on and it turns on and even like no app could be that fast. Uh, Xbox turn on and they Microsoft, I don't even think does it anymore. But remember you could, it was really hard to open up like say, tw I think Twitch primarily did it, but you could play a game and watch a movie picture in picture and, you know, most of the gaming populace shit all over. I want games. I'm like, it's a really cool feature. It's just hard to do. But you'd say Xbox Snap Twitch. And, like, it would just throw on your last Twitch channel underneath your gameplay. It was awesome. Yeah, it, I took it, advantage it was a, of it a lot. Yeah, it was a really hard thing to do with, with controller inputs. As someone who watches a lot of sports games, like, in the background as I'm playing video games, that was a godsend to be like, yeah, I can yeah. have kind of the game up in one corner of my screen while I play a video game on the main portion and i was really upset when they, they they took that out because of consumer feedback i'm like why why take anything away ever you know what i mean right. like but right but at the end you of the day, allowed I think, me to to waste my fucking time 200 percent more effectively but it, it, what it was is it was it, it they had to reserve memory in the system yeah. for that feature so you could do that at any time and and so i think they took it out to be like okay now games can take full advantage of all the memory in this hardware which ultimately improved the game so i guess that's right. fine but uh, i was right. disappointed at the time i anyway. can't believe we've talked for like 25 minutes about motion controls anyway. i told you i was excited to talk about dead gaming <laughs> yeah we, we have two more entries because right? yeah. michael yeah. Yeah. if we're if we're not being clear about this we chose more modern gaming terms. We were we were covering all these. This is true. Yeah, intimately and actively. We've got lots to say. Yeah, yeah. No, this is all when we were professionals. Uh, but anyway, let's move on to number two. Now we've been through these tactics a hundred times, and I know you're not always going to get them right. Ow, ow. That's okay. <laughs> that was genius. That's why you have a partner to keep an eye out for you. When you're out there, you need to focus on one thing and one thing only. Teamwork. <laughs> now we're talking. All right. I've so let me, let me ask you guys a question okay. real quick. Yeah, uh, if, if a big part of your business is being cannibalized by used game sales, how do you get people to mm. not trade in their games the second yeah. they're done with the campaign. You, you sell them and sell them an online pass is one way, but I know that's not the way you're you're hinting at. Um, mm -hmm. Same company did this, by the Essentially way. Essentially what they're doing. You add multiplayer to give them a reason to come back and play with their friends over and over yes. again. So, and and the what I used there, that was, that was a clip from a trailer for Army of Two, which to be fair, is a game built around co-op. But it's kind of emblematic of an era when co-op, especially in shooters, became sort of an expected feature, a must feature. Like, yes. this has to have co-op, and it absolutely has to have competitive multiplayer. 
The By the way, just where... to go back, we don't need to be fair to Army of Two. Fuck that game. I've never played <laughs> Army of Two, and that clip you played gave off such an Army of Two stank. I'm like, oh, that's Army of Two. That is the worst dude bro fucking mm-hmm. Uber Chad shit I've ever heard in video gaming. It is so representative of just like the worst part of game. And by the way, like, I think I know people who worked on this game because I might have worked with them at the last company. I'm just like, wow, what a that is so emblematic of that. What a what a terrible kind of, just what a what a fucking awful thing. Like, yeah, man, it, it, two dudes. I think oh, cool. I love co-op. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I love like it, it, it's not gone. No, it's but it's just like but yeah, but it was it was it was misinterpreted because I blame Gears. Because Gears sure. was one of the first uh first games to like uh, kind of allow you to do that and like I remember Gears and Halo, hey, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. Gears was one like I remember seeing the 360, and it was one of those moments like I don't know if I can afford or like go into the next gaming generation. Then Gears came out, and like this is fucking nuts. And your friend, it happened to me, and I did it to other people. Like you got to play Gears. All right, uh, how much? And like we'll come over to my house, and you can just we'll play together, or like buy a 360. And we'll cook up online and we'll play together. And it was like, I think the first truly significant co-op experience. And I think that became misinterpreted as we all want to play bad dudes <laughs> and, and, and well, want to play bad dudes in co-op and bro and to, out. To be, to be fair, co-op has been a big part of gaming since, since it was popularized oh, of course, in the yeah, 80s. Right? Since like, it was a two player simultaneous we, game. We love belt scrollers. Belt scrollers are all about co-op, right? But there was just something about this era where it's like it became compulsory where you – it's like, no, if you you ship a game with a single-player campaign, you better have a co-op campaign. But that part didn't bother me so much as the games that sort of require – they were designed around playing co-op because, you know, we all know like AI is going to be shit. Like if you have to – if you have Mm -hmm. to have an AI companion in Kane and Lynch – or whatever, like oh. it's gonna play awfully, <laughs> uh, and so you had entire games designed around this feature. That, like, frankly, you know, I've gone on record on the show a lot. I'm not really an online multiplayer gamer. I do prefer co-op over PvP when I do it, but it's like I don't like someone telling me, like J- Joseph Ferris, all his games they're mandatory co-op, and I'm like, you, you just shut off most of the gaming population when you do that yeah but that game. that is also like you know part of his vision he wants his to deal. have a co-op sure. game yeah. and that's you know and it's it's that on the box it's like you have to play this in co-op like, okay fine whatever right and, and like and, and uh for me true co-op gaming experience that i spent hundreds of hours in was destiny and i didn't realize yeah. Yeah. until at the end of the day it was like it's co-op but nobody's telling my character what to say or what to do. And I think that was the gross misinterpretation of, of, of because it because it was popularized in gears that like yeah, we're going to write all this cool dialogue and like and I don't want maybe I don't want to play as this character, but I do want to play with my friends and uh, that it's how I connected with one of my best friends across the country was in those co-op gaming experiences yeah. but we'd still have arguments like i don't want to be sheena yeah <laughs> i um, want to be but but yeah again the argument that we're making isn't that like oh co-op used to be a big thing and now it's gone away like no it's obviously right. still around but there wasn't an era in the roughly mid 2000s to early 2010s 
when, like, if you had a big budget game, especially a big budget shooter, it had to have co-op, multiplayer, or both. Like, this right. made it into, like, games that it made no sense to have competitive yes, right. multiplayer got competitive multiplayer, for example. Congratulations, Mr. or Mrs. Citizen Rapture. You've been approved to join the Sinclair Solutions team as a product tester in our home consumer rewards program. Here at Sinclair, the customer knows best. That's why we'd like to invite you to test our home defense products in the field and tell us how you feel. By participating in our DIY clinical trials, you will automatically earn bonus gifts free of charge. Yes, we thought you'd like the sound of that. So get out there and start earning those rewards. So that's Bioshock 2. Bioshock okay. 2 had uh, yeah. competitive multiplayer. Spec Ops The Line, the game about... <laughs> Uh, I, I heard this called shame play recently. Like it's a game about shaming you for playing a game. Also had competitive multiplayer that was like, this is a prequel before uh, your guys get here in the story. These are the, you want to experience real world horrific trauma with uh -huh. you and a friend. Like, yeah. uh, well, and, and sometimes it was really good. Like, so mass effect does not make sense to have multiplayer. And yet the people who played mass effect multiplayer, like to this day are like, it's some of the best online multiplayer. It was, yeah, dude. Like, it was fucking great. Yeah, it, but, yeah. but it was it, it was like a um, a lot of Destiny DNA. And like, at the end of the day, the thing I remember most about Mass Effect DNA is that it was fucking hard. Mm. It was really hard. Mm. And the more mm. people you had, and the more people you were communicating with, the easier it was to get through. And it was a solid shooter experience. But it like. Did someone like? Can I put up make a wanted poster for uh, Bioware? Like, what's going on with Bioware? Like, have they made a game in like eighty years? Oh, uh, where, where's Bioware? Didn't the founders I, I have, leave? They're working. Dragon on Age effect, Inquisition right? has oh, multiplayer. Wow, a hundred hour RPG <laughs> has multiplayer. I, I have two great examples of a game. So these are two game. Okay, so this game has amazing multiplayer, but really never needed it. Assassin's Creed multiplayer was oh, like yeah. it was so good, but it was at the same time like and wasn't Unity designed around co-op? Like that, it was. that was everything. Well, it, in, it in had a bunch campaign. of co-op missions, and yeah. the interesting thing about Unity is that it kind of told like the main campaign was more this personal story mm. using the French Revolution as a backdrop. If you wanted to actually take on missions that had to do with famous figures of the French Revolution, that was all in the co-op. Oh, so weird. like that's where you meet Robespierre and Danton and all these other guys. And that's I you don't have to say anything, but I would imagine they realized, man, it was a giant mistake to make this huge game mode to, something to that most people off. won't access. Yeah, lock off your game. So the the most infamous example I know of, um, you guys probably have some more, but like it's I think a lot of the same team who worked on Army of Two. Dead Space Three was yeah. a game that was almost designed around co-op and I have on, on its on its okay go ahead One thing straight, Clark. We came to this frozen shithole to stop the markers, and nothing. <laughs> Not you, or your obsession with Ellie is gonna get in my way. You got that? I know I'm doing this. 
what did this atmospheric horror game need? Banter and a buddy cop storyline. <laughs> These two guys hate each other, but they're going to work together in the end. That's the it's example of what I, I cite of like, you play so wait, what, is this games cate- Is this category scared. co-op, unnecessary co-op or multiplayer? Unnecessary yes, both. both. It's, it's both. Okay. They, we combine them, but like, yeah, you play horror games kind of alone to, to scare yourself, to get scared. And yes, I know there are like Phantasmagoria or whatever, not Phantasmagoria, whatever that one, well, the one that Lizzie always fucking plays, that online Dead ghost Pike game. Daylight. Then, oh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 there's a different one. There's a different one that she plays that's, that's about like online ghost. Oh, Phasmophobia. Phasmophobia, mm. thank you. But like, the, when I play a Dead Space game, I want to get in a dark room by myself and trip myself out and scare myself, right? I don't want Chris in my fucking ear being like, bro, Bro, we got a we got a bogey at, at your six. Like what? Like no, I'm no. Bro, stop, necromorph stop. coming up on your right. Uh, cut his it, arms off. It's really off. weird. Yeah, Whenever we play games together, he immediately goes into Chad mode. It's so weird. I'm like, Chris, in, in stop. terms, just talk in like terms of like, I, I went and did a little research. Do you know the last best selling game of the year that was single player? Single player only. Single player only. I mean, I I know Hogwarts Legacy was the one from this year. That is the most. Is it the best-selling game of the year? No, but no, yes, but it, 12 million units and counting so far. And before it, that, it was Elden Ring. So maybe your premise might No, might, no, 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 no. Because no, Call of Duty still way outsold Elden Ring. I don't think so, dude. It In definitely units did. It, it sold? No way, yeah. man. It definitely did. Uh, it was Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Oh, but what, 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 San Andreas. Not even five? Um, I no, I don't think so. Because remember, five like the big online component came later, right? But that's and, another great example. Is they started shipping GTA and Red Dead games with this like separate online component. They're like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, this is, it, it might not be here at launch. Which actually, I kind of don't want it to be. I want to go through that campaign for forty hours and then maybe dip into the the online. So that I'm fine with that. But like, yeah, if you, if you remember, I'm, I'm working at my buddy at a at the pizza shop uh we would go have pizza after we podcast you know he's making he's making pizza shop salary and like his gta game was finished after 100 hours and then opened up to thousands of hours yeah i don't think it's an evil thing necessarily to include multiplayer and and i remember once i got on the dev side like why is this happening it's like because a lot of kids have a choice of two games per year and want constant experience. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. we're not we're not saying it's bad. It's no. just that there there was this habit of tacking it on. Yes. Like games yeah. that didn't need it got it anyway. Last of Us had multiplayer that was actually really <laughs> well received and people really want that standalone multiplayer game Factions. to come out. Well, to the uh, point where yeah, they they shipped the second game without it. Yeah. And it's also, still got amazing reviews, and they're charging you now for that thing that was supposed to be part of the second game. Yeah. Also, as I reminded you a couple weeks ago, this game had co-op, and I bet you've already... Or, no, this game had multiplayer, and I bet you've already forgotten about it. The competition to win the favor of the gods will test even Dude. the mightiest warriors. <laughs> Prove yourselves worthy by defeating your enemies and making sacrifices to the gods. I- I fell down a rabbit hole of looking into all of this in the most unnecessary multiplayer. Mm-hmm. And God of War Ascension <laughs> is perhaps the funniest because it is unrecognizable. Like, why did you? And, and I think conversely, like, because I, I, sorry, I looked up a lot of stats. Single player games have slowly been creeping back in to the yeah. uh, top mm-hmm. 10 best selling games of the year, I think is 
sports games have been falling out, and there are fewer of them. Uh, but Matt, Matt, for several years in a row, Madden was the best-selling console game. Yeah. And that's not – I don't even know if it made the list uh, in 2020. It's in the top ten still, and FIFA is still always up there as well. Yeah, you, you have a few sports games. No, no, I'm not saying – but I'm just 10. saying like there used to be multiple of those sports games, and now like there's a baseball game every other year, and it's yeah. different. But like uh, Sonic yeah, yeah. Frontiers, that mm-hmm. that that's one of the best-selling games of last year. And like for me as someone like I enjoy single-player – I was super excited by that. Uh, people still gave a fuck about Sonic and wanted a single player experience. Well, EA recently at some it was either a shareholder thing or a right. press conference. They 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 announced and they were talking about their corporate focus and it was still mostly on multiplayer stuff. But then they made sure to call out we're also still doing stuff like this. Uh, whatever they call it, Jedi Survivor is the next one, right? That's coming yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah but that, yeah. that feels highly contractual, and and everything else that it, it, to me. Just having worked at a game company, that was like, if I worked on Jedi Survivor, I would feel like I was slighted by that speech because they're not prioritizing games like that anymore. Mm. EA is so weird and like, because of the size of their company, they embody so much of this list. I actually have, I can pull it up. I can pull it up. Michael's going to hate me for this. Yes. Because it's not a clip, but I, the most hilarious Unneeded multiplayer co-op mode in any game I've ever seen, ever, which I totally forgot about, and I imagine most people did too. I can, I have it pulled up. I'm going to screen share it with you, and people, Michael's going to freak out if the sound's not perfect, and I'm not going to give him the clip, but he's got to play this. It's going to be funny. When I say Batman multiplayer, what do you think of? Gotham Imposters. Gotham, Michael, we call oh him Parez for a reason. <laughs> wow. Gotham City Imposters is a multiplayer only game that mm-hmm. technically is less stupid than what I'm about to bring up. <laughs> okay. Uh, but but like that game was fine and fun at the same time. Arkham City Origins had a multiplayer mode crammed into it. Really? And I watched I think 40 minutes of gameplay footage. I almost wanted to whip out my video editing software but I'm not paying for that. Uh, and cut together a clip of how bad this fucking is. Because uh, obviously it was so much of an issue, like uh, Warner Brothers kind of was forcing the issue of multiplayer on Batman. We can see that now with the Suicide Squad game. Arkham, they had the power to say no after Arkham <laughs> Arkham uh, Knight City. and Arkham City. Arkham Origins was made by a different studio and has a multiplayer component where you play as the Joker's thugs and Bane's thugs. There is a shooter buried and lost within a Batman Batman Arkham game where you can also play as Batman and Robin against the... It's like a three... Two people on two versus two teams. I can't think of anything more asymmetrical, but... the. What's so funny about it is it tries to recreate Arkham moments, you know, like you grab a guy in a finishing move and the camera changes. In this mode, these are real people. They're not going to sit still (laughs) and engage in your finishing move. So you'll just perform it on no one (laughs) and open yourself up to straight up murder and words like 
We killed the Batman. <laughs> we we killed the Robin is dead. Praise God. And of, <laughs> and and so this footage to me cracked me the fuck up. I'm going to try and share it with you. Watch this. Just makes me laugh. Batman HD multiplayer. I got Batman here. So you just killed Batman. <laughs> okay. And your multiplayer game has like five more minutes to go. B responds, but you constantly kill Robin and Batman in this fucking multiplayer game. Uh, it, it's so it, it's so fucking silly. And I think embodies all of this. Like this has to have a multiplayer component. Like I think you see 10 years in hindsight, any Batman game you make available on platforms will sell forever. And <laughs> it doesn't need... So, yeah, there is a shitty shooter where you play as thugs with guns wow. underneath a Batman game that everyone has forgotten about. That's amazing. I didn't even know that was in there. <laughs> yeah, everyone has forgotten about. And, and he Batman, stood. Arkham Origins is not a bad game. It's quite the opposite. It's not a rock steady Batman game. There's some some minor shortcomings, but it's really well done and worth playing. All right. Well, that's a good as good a jumping off point as any for our number one. Been a long time, comrade. <laughs> Krauser. I died in the crash two years ago. Is that what they told you? You're the one who kidnapped Ashley. You got John Quick, as expected. After all, you and I both know where we come from. All right. If you've played... This this is what inspired this list this week, because Resident Evil 4 Remake, among the things that it does... And, and I've seen people getting angry about this on Twitter now that they've had a week or so to play it. It cuts out a lot of scenes that were quick-time events. And, like, that scene with Krauser is still represented because it's so important but rather than watching a cutscene and hitting button prompts to dodge his <laughs> knives you will actually be fighting him while he talks like it is it is fully immersive action re4 remake does have things you could maybe say are quick time events and that like oh the chainsaw guy is attacking there's a flashing l1 button prompt if i hit it i'll i'll parry it with my gun or my knife or whatever but it does not have the interactive cutscene the Cineractive moment, as it used to be called once yeah. upon a time. Those used to be in every goddamn game. Yes. God of War made them so fucking popular yes. that they had to be in every game. You couldn't just watch a cutscene, especially if it had an action. It had to interrupt with button prompts, which at the time a lot of people thought was actually really cool. That was awesome. And then you go back to Kingdom Hearts 2 and it's all these really lame cutscenes. They're in the back alley. They're all it's all anime bullshit with their hands on their hips and they're like, "Man, I hope we solve this mystery." With their hands and nothing hips. happens. <laughs> Meanwhile, you go back to Resident Evil 4. It's like, bitch, this ain't a cutscene. Press A. Press A. You don't have time to smoke a bowl. You're still playing. Jump, Gypsy. Come on, jump. Hey, kidnapped. It's up to us. Pick up your chain wallet. 
<laughs> so he, he references one of my least favorite things about QTEs was always like, what if I want to have a bite of these chips that are just conveniently placed yeah. next to where I, I want yeah. them either? I mean, yeah, Matt, I wanna... in, in the in the fucking cell, like the smartphone era where like every time there's a cutscene, I pick up my phone like, oh, shit, there's a button it's, prompt that I have. It's... I have to hit A to win the battle. <laughs> it's the reason I stopped playing Telltale games is yes. this bullshit of like, ah, well, you can't really put down your controller because at any minute you might have this thing that if your reflexes, which as you get older, those t- tend to go on you. If your reflexes aren't good enough, we're going to fucking fail you in this event in the game is I blame Shinmu, by the way, as a Sega play. Mm-hmm. Shinmu was the first game I remember with QTEs oh. and they were prevalent in that game and they, they caught on and I, I want to be a fly on the wall in the, in the in the boardroom when people were designing that. Like, right. all right, well, so we had these things called cinematics, and you can watch, you know, part of the game, and it's meant to be this movie like experience. But like, but man, you know, people were, were people complaining, like, boy, there's nothing for me to do while watching the cinematic. Like, was this a problem that Hideo Kojima single handedly brought about with his fucking <laughs> four hour cinematics? Like, who was complaining? Like, you know what the real problem is? Put one button. Q- QTE, the X button to fucking skip your stupid ass <laughs> yes, cinematic. That, yes. Like, if I'm bored in a cinematic, don't make me do shit. Now I'm going to resent you while being bored with your bad cinematic. Which, by the and way, I was talking last been week, my accessibility Thank you. Chia has. Like, you can skip interactive yes. cineractive moments. Yeah. That was going to be my next point, is a lot of games now have the option because they realize like oh there are there is a segment of the population who can't do QTEs in time because what they might have mm-hmm. a disability where they can't do where it just auto passes QTEs I'm like I'm doing this in every fucking game like I want <laughs> I don't care about oh I better press A in time otherwise what's going to happen although it is hilarious in some games when you fail the event and then they still have to continue with the scene but like Spider-Man 3 I don't Spider-Man 3 <laughs> Oh, yeah, what, what, that no, what's really, that, that internet that was, clip? What's the supercut of um? It's a, what's it, uh, the origami killer game? Uh, oh, heavy heavy, heavy rain. rain. Yeah, yeah, heavy rain was basically all quick time events. Yeah. Yes, yes, but like I am. Yes, I I can see why people put them in less and less. And yes, to this day, I sort of resent it. Like even in God of War Ragnarok, it's like, oh, mash the B button now to kill this creature, and I'm like, why? I I did the work. I fucking I got his health down to zero. Ch- Let Chai him die. Even has an option like, do you not want to mash buttons during Cineractives? That yeah. And, well, and that was that was one of the first the things. Well, again, to go. that's considered an accessibility thing. Well, first off, did we give MC Chris uh, proper credit no, for no, that we didn't. clip? Because no, that is that no. is from like a Gamespot show I'm, from years and years ago. So uh, glad you, you found a way to attribute that has been in like my Winamp library since 2001. <laughs> Winamp. I never knew <laughs> yeah, what it was from. coming up to <laughs> hell right now. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, no, that's a, it's MC Chris. Uh, he's, he's great. And that is a great bit. back when it was uh, really hard to download MC Chris music. Like that was uh, one of the things <laughs> I had in my MC Chris folder. Yeah. Roxas. Um, <laughs> but also like, I think, the fact that, like, this has been falling out of vogue in yes. general in games, and I think if Resident Evil 4 gets a remake and cuts out the QTEs, that is a sign that, like, okay, the game industry is really Moved trying on. to move past these. These are not interesting or fun anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah. They never were. They they never were. They were an interesting idea when they first started. Like it's a way to I think they were misguided. Engage more with cutscenes. That's what's so but they got annoyed. So much so fascinating about like when I say I don't know what more technology can bring to my gaming experience, this is a great example. It's why it's one of my my most favorite dying or dead gaming trends. Because every single game that Michael and I were covering 10 years ago or more actually (laughs) kind of was like a caulking gun corridor shooter and then you get to a boss and it's got to be an epic boss battle but they didn't develop mechanics for you to deal with an epic boss battle resident evil is famous for this like touch rocket launcher punch boulder these are all things you've never done before and aren't really built in for you to do they're just hit this moment in this movie and every fucking game concluded with that. Like, it, like at least in the conclusion. Because mm-hmm. we know now, having worked on the game dev side, you can't, like, develop new mechanics per boss. And, like, what are you supposed to do? Slash at a giant boss's ankle? Like, it turns out with Elden Ring, yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. We like that dodging and, and, and gameplay better than watching a movie and hitting a button at the right time. We would prefer that. Yeah. And, well, and, and to, to Shenmue's credit, I think what a lot of people missed with the original QTE design is when you failed the event, it didn't just game over you every time. Sometimes it would result in, oh, now your your character is going down this path because they failed this crucial thing they were supposed to do, right? Like that's good QTE design, I guess, which Telltale also did that, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, it doesn't always mean an instant death, but a lot of developers just, that was your game over moment. It's like, well, I I just put in the work, I got this boss's health down to 1% or whatever, and now because I failed a button prompt that randomly showed up because I thought things were over, like I failed this boss battle, like that's that's some horse shit. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, because I I, I tell that story occasionally, I'm playing Final Fantasy 2 in the opening and it was just like the most insane movie you've ever seen. But I'm not really doing anything. I'm hitting A when a movie decides to tell me what to do. And my fucking poor, like, little, literally poor girlfriend grew up family of four on a postal, a single postal worker's salary. Like, she's like, is this what all games are? I'm like, no, but it's kind of becoming that. Big giant yeah. movie with epic thing that I'm not really interacting with, and so I think we all lost our minds at the Dark Souls movement, where it was like every interaction is important, and like everything you do in a fight is you doing something in a fight, not you hitting magic button to solve the cutscene. And that's what Dark Souls, my favorite thing, Dark Souls brought to the world. Uh, yes we will accept slashing a, a seven-story boss's ankles <laughs> and dodging yeah, his attacks over, over fucking QTEs. And the fact that Resident Evil's like... Resident Evil 4 might be the most influential game of all time. I could easily see that argument being made. And mm-hmm. it influenced the next 15 years of 3D games in a bad way with that. And the fact that they took it out that's why I wanted to do this episode because like, yeah, they're saying this was a bad branch of gaming evolution and we don't want to be involved in it anymore. We're fixing we are, it now. 
We're right. trimming it. We are we are mm-hmm. Doc Browning these <laughs> siblings out of existence. <laughs> and every game that uses this is now bad. I hope that's what they were saying. Or at the very least, like this is not a modern feature right. anymore. And that brings us around full circle to the end of this top five. Um, yeah, this has been fun. But we need to move on. So we're behind gonna... the scenes, Michael has looked miserable from how much we talked. But I told you <laughs> I... this was a, such a good top five because it <laughs> encompassed like twenty years of rage from three mm-hmm. people yeah. about about bad gaming trends that we experienced firsthand and as professionals. This is true. Now we we do need to wrap this up though, um, so we can talk He's about doing it again. Some new releases. Yes, I'm trying ah. to conclude this. <laughs> trying we to no, no, no. It's we only been two hours. Like, yes. Let's keep it going. It's, yeah, it's been it's been almost two hours. Uh, so let's wrap this up and uh, take a break. We're going to go out with "Old to the New" by Two Mellow, and when we come back, we'll talk about new releases, new some other stuff. So stay tuned. <laughs> Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. 1978, they're shooting Superman 1 and Superman 2 back to back. I'm kind of becoming comic obsessed in the early to mid 80s. I think Superman 3 is on the verge of coming to video, but basically I could just rent the first two over and over again. So I watched those over and over and over again. And to me, they they warm my heart. And by the time the Donner cut came out in, what are we talking, 06? To coincide. 06, I think, yeah. To coincide. Like, I watched it and, like, you know, I read this is technically better. I was a little kid, I didn't know what happened. I didn't want this version. It, I felt nothing when I saw it because, like, this is just not the n- nostalgic version I have for Superman. And Steve has an, an experience I'd like to talk about. It's hard to call any of these movies good because they're all bad and pee in the eye of Superman and, and everything you know about it. Okay, okay. <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And welcome back to our second segment, where we're just going to dive straight into a very long list of... This guy gave me numerous wrap-it-up signs in the last segment. And he has the balls uh-huh. to install a sound effect. Yeah, five seconds. That's totally worse than an hour and a half. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, there's a there's a lot of new stuff. First release, uh, gentlemen, we finally did it. Uh, we killed Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, Please tell me everything. Champagne the Murder Corp. of Sonic the Hedgehog is a free game. You can go download on Steam. Uh, comedic right timing now. on that trailer was brilliant. Like, he's dead. <laughs> And uh, yes, yes, that was a great trailer. Um, We heard your feedback, Sonic's dead. Props to the social team here who kind of put that trailer together. And yeah, this is a, it is a, I have to say, my least favorite genre of games. It is a visual novel Mm -hmm. that I actually did enjoy playing because 
it is uh it like I'll just say this. If you like Sonic games and are gonna understand a lot of like Sonic Easter eggs and references, like this game's chock full of them. Mm-hmm. It's not a very long experience. It's it's a fun night of gaming, like and it's a Sonic visual novel, which like if you look on like Steam, it's like one of the highest reviewed Steam games <laughs> wow. of all time right now. Like <laughs> helps that it's free. Unlike other April Fool's jokes in gaming, which can sometimes be mean or sometimes be really obvious and like that's not even funny. Or like, like a dangling tease. It, it exists. It exists Wait. and it's and it's actually a good game. It's not just, you know, like, oh, that's not fun to play, but it's funny to kind of laugh at. Yeah. It's it's a fun visual novel. I, I, I enjoy thinking about it now that you're saying that, I realize like, oh, there have been several April first like April Fool's Day visual novels for popular games. This might be the first one that is a murder mystery instead of a dating sim. The rest are all dating sims. Right. No, you're 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 right. Mm. Well, there is even that Colonel Sanders dating sim that exists and I downloaded on Steam at uh, one point. So yeah. I got thirteen girls and spices. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so I'd I'd say um if you're interested, it's free. So check it out. The murder of Sonic the Hedgehog free on Steam right now. Any other insight into in the making of it, though? Like, uh, like it, it was... not that I can talk about on this show. Ah, right. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, let's see. Meet your maker is a game. Speaking of free, that is free for PlayStation Plus subscribers. It's a thirty dollars game that's free for PS Plus subscribers. Yeah, yeah. Or so you P- play no, 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 no. PS. It's not plus, it, or sorry, it's only plus. It's not an essential game. It is it's one not of your essential. monthly free it's, games. Okay. It's it's the second or third tier of PS Plus. No, it's the the, the the first tier. Oh, it's it is oh. essential. Okay. okay. Yeah, but that, but it means like it might not be free uh, a month from now. Right. Whereas so go get it. PS okay. Plus yeah. essential. Yeah. Game. God, I hate them. Why what is this game? This? What 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 is Meet Your Maker? Uh, this is one of the first games I've hated in a long time. <laughs> oh, um, okay. Okay. But, but it, it, I think it's from the uh, Dead by Daylight people. Which Dead by Daylight, while I don't play a lot, like I loved every second I played of it, and like I, one of those games, like I don't want to lose my whole life to this. They keep introducing characters I like. Uh, this is a user generated. Y- you're in a you're in a near apocalypse. There's genetic material to be stolen, and there are user generated. Let's call them dungeons, mm-hmm. uh, gameplay levels, um, where you go and steal genetic material. But they can set up any trap they want. They can set up any uh, enemy they want. And it was just very odd to me. In like a 4K 60 frame a second game, you have to treat it like a new area of Dark Souls. Like there could be something around every turn. So instead of being fast and fun, like I was just like. Huh, 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 huh! I, I, I died. I died, and they're they're just <laughs> like you're you're meant to be killed. I just I saw I read some reviews. I saw IGN gave it an eight. Like, and they were like they had a lot of the same complaints I did. This is crude, but can be improved. And but like you die. Not only do you die so much, like you can never anticipate a user trap, and then you get the genetic material and you have to leave the arena and new traps reset out of nowhere. Uh, if you lose your shit, you just have to start over. And it was just rote memorization to me. 
I think this game was in early access too, wasn't it? So yeah. it's interesting to hear you say it kind of feels unfinished, or because it, it's I'm not it's unfinished, but like but like a work in progress. Okay. There's something incredibly intriguing about it. Why shouldn't users create traps and build enemies and kill? <laughs> people who play their levels. Why All not? Let's talk about genetic material. I'm wondering why instead of Meet Your Maker, they didn't just call it Jizz Dungeon. <laughs> I mean, by the way, there's a game like this already called The Mighty Quest for Epic Loot that is it is an asymmetrical multiplayer game where you design a dungeon and then you run through other people's dungeons. And that game is hella fun. And I think there's a new one coming out on mobile soon or something like that. But I, 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 I will say I, I hated it. Yeah, no, because I think it's what out it, now. what it promised was accurate right. and delivered on. <laughs> okay, uh, it's an interesting concept, and I, I, I encourage people to try it and tell me I'm wrong and get back into it because you know for a while there's you. you I think like I, I kept wanting like a thing to scan the environment, tell me if there's a trap around here. It's just like you walk one pixel, ah, dead spikes, mm. uh, like. And any user can set that up anywhere, and it just what like yeah, it just felt like bad memorization, kind of kind of a flawed execution on something I'd like to see done better. But like this could update and improve. Maybe I wasn't playing it correctly. Maybe if I always realize what texture of an environment is a trap, I will right. know that. But like then the user's goal is still to hide that. And then you get yeah. your shit and run out, and they can place new traps that weren't there before. So any memorization you had of the environment is moot. Sorry, I like I haven't played a game that like I was genuinely mad at, and I put multiple hours into this game. And I I was like, Michael, please play this and tell me I'm not the only one who hates it because IGN did not, and multiple other reviewers did not. It, it doesn't have a ton of review scores, but uh, they're mostly in the nines and eights. I hated it hated it please play it and and i was wrong matt uh it is uh mighty quest rogue palace is coming out april 18th on mobile Ah, for netflix subscribers uh i I had my wires crossed i thought it was out already but uh i couldn't play meet your maker because i was busy playing dredge a horror fishing game tell me everything so this is a real thing this is it's basic like it gave me heavy uh was sunless seas vibes where it's it's a 3d game where you have like a little fishing boat and you tool around these islands it seemed to be like you know sometime in the 1930s in you know sweet haven where popeye lives yeah you're, you're the new fisherman in this little island town and so you go around between these islands and you get like you know quests from this like guy who's clearly up to no good living in a decrepit mansion he's like go find these relics for me they're very important for my collection (laughs) and uh as as you're doing this you're trying to make money by fishing and you start to pull up really weird fish and every time you go fishing by the way it's like resident evil 4's suitcase uh inventory management where like you have a certain number of slots on your boat that have to be filled by things like motors and uh, fishing gear, and then the rest of the empty space you can slot fish into, and like Oblong some of the fish black are... basses, uh, yeah, just some, like some our Resident like... Evil Four playthrough on our YouTube channel. Cool. Mm. Fi- finally, someone took my least favorite part of Resident Evil <laughs> and made yeah. a game out of them. Yeah, some of the fishes are L-shaped, and some of them are like weird, big, irregular shapes, and you have to find space. And uh, yeah, and 
like as as you're pursuing this plot, like you know, you go from port to port, and you, the little adventures appear that you can partake in. You have to be very careful to not stick around too much at night because there will be a thick fog that sets in. And the more you're out there, you will start to panic. You will start to hallucinate. Eyeballs will appear all around you. Uh, you will see tugboat lights approaching you. And, oh, no, it turns out it's actually a giant predatory anglerfish that's going to fucking bump up against me. And uh, Captain Nemo and his knuckles. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my cargo and I have to go to, for repairs or I, I'll, I might die. But, yeah, it's it's spooky and it's got a good vibe and it's fun. And uh, it's also got a pretty decent fishing mini game that varies depending on which species of fish you're after. So I recommend it. Apologies, I swore off of giant anglerfish after Outer Wilds. Promise I'd never go back. So nope, just can't nope. You gotta, gotta, you gotta head back in. Gotta face the finglerfish. I want to uh, correct a thing. So last week, you know, I I had not played MLB The Show 23 yet, and I was just Asshole. like, yeah, it's baseball. I played it because it is on Game Pass, and one thing I should have called out that I was not aware of that is kind of a new addition. They have a story mode this year. And this year, it is based all around the Negro Leagues in baseball. Jesus Christ. Unbelievable. I, I knew. I was waiting for Chris's response. Chris, but uh, it, it's amazing. Like, because it, 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 it is telling the story of these things that I don't think a lot of uh, sports fans really know about, which is like, hey, at one point, the best baseball in the country was being played in these leagues that no one could see because of segregation. And they literally, right. they had like, like the first, the first mini story within the thing is you're playing a satchel page who's regarded as like, not only one of the best pitchers of all time, he's a dude who was the oldest rookie in the MLB when he finally did come to the MLB of like, it's estimated because yeah. they literally the dog ate his birth certificate out of the family Bible. <laughs> they think he was in his mid forties <laughs> or maybe even early fifties as a rookie in wow. the MLB. Um, but he, he had like 20, strikeout pitches like the dude just had all kinds of pitches it's so cool to to learn this history and then yeah you, you get you get the good jackie robinsons and stuff like that that you would expect to be in there but like some of these lesser known names from the negro leagues are in that is the most compelling reason i've ever had yeah to, yes to it's the reason i have not because typically when i play like the mlb the show games what the i'll play it over a weekend and then i'll uninstall it and i'm like I'm leaving this one on here because I want to keep learning as I play through yeah, this. Yeah, uh, um, 302010 this week, uh, we talked about 42, Chadwick Boseman in, mm, uh, mm-hmm, as Jackie mm-hmm. Robinson, which is falls into some formulaic walk-hard traps, but is ultimately a, respect, a respectable movie 10 years on. And I remember when I was in New York, they were releasing new era Negro League hats. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I want this so bad, and I didn't buy it, and I've never been able to find it. The New York, I, I guess, y- Yankees, the black, I think they were the black Yankees. That's what they called them of in the Negro Leagues, the black Yankees. It's just the New York, the New York Yankees logo with a little shiny derby on the side of it. Huh. And it's like, that is the coolest fucking logo I've ever seen in my life. I want this hat Amazing. so bad. <laughs> yeah, so so again, if you if you have Game Pass, like, and you're, it's it's sort of like you wow. know when you guys played a, the Atari Fifty thing, you're like, yeah, this is more like an interactive museum that I'm kind of playing through. It's like, yeah, the 
the core mechanics of MLB The Show are still there and on display. And of course, all the regular MLB The Show modes are there, like Road to the Show and stuff. But it's like, all I care about is this story. What the fuck? The, every other story mode you've ever seen, like, kid, you're the... <laughs> kid six, you're the best thing ever in this game. Whereas this and is like, still there. That, that's still fucking Road to the stakes show. and adversaries that you can't control. What a dude! This is the first time I'm hearing about this. I would love to play that. Well, it's a bit like how WWE has the My Rise mode, which is that, hey kid, you're the next big thing, mm-hmm. right? And then they have their showcase modes, like, hey, you're going to be John Cena in this year's game. So this is like their version of the showcase mode of like, hey, we have a story we want to tell you or we want you to learn about. You're going to play through some crucial moments wow. in these players' careers. It's really cool. Hey, kid, you got the goods, but you're also black, so don't expect to go anywhere. Like, that's where this story starts. <laughs> so I, I played another Game Pass game called Infinite Guitars, just because I am a guitar player who loves rhythm games in general. I will say this about this game. Like, it's it's trying a lot of interesting things, and it, it's basically trying to mash up some kind of RPG, like turn-based RPG mechanics with some platforming mechanics with a rhythm game, right? Um and, and it's it, you're you know the, the premise is like it's in the far future and you're trying you, you you're like trying to mine energy and there's just like this your, your core is broken it's like the inside of you that's powering everything's broken and you get this infinite core and then you go off on this whole story i'll just say this like it has a lot of interesting ideas that don't really come together well for the mm. final product but like if you are it's again this is the beauty of game pass is like but hey, if you want to check out a game that's trying something new and maybe not accomplishing it, but maybe they'll get it on their next outing, like it's like it has a really cool art style. The music itself is, is really good in this game. The rhythm parts are fine, although it uses the same song over and over again, so it gets a bit repetitive there. But like it, at the end of the day, just it's not able to nail like, well, how are you doing the turn-based fights and stuff like this? Like it just doesn't mesh well together. But it, I got to give them credit for trying. And again. It's it's the perfect Game Pass game because it's like yeah I want to play this experimental thing and mm. and see if I like it. Infinite Guitars well, on uh, that is pretty. Fun. On that note, I, I didn't love it, but on that note, uh, Loop Hero came to Game Pass, and mm. I would have suggested and will suggest ten years from now, gameplay mechanics I don't want to see again. Time loop stuff. I don't. <laughs> I love Loop Hero though. I, love I know you, you, Matt so was fighting for it as game of the year a year or two ago, and it finally came to Game Pass. Get you have sixty seconds. Make me want to download this and play this for nothing. Okay, I will. This is make you want to download and play it. Did you like a little game called Vampire Survivors? Yes, very much. Like sort of an auto battler game. That's sort of what Loop Hero is. It's like your characters walking around this battlefield, auto battling characters, and it's more the stuff you do to them between the fights to power them up for those battles that that's where the interesting part of that game comes into play right so it's it's the decisions you make between the battles like you don't do anything during the battles it's just walking in this loop and it's um you're you're it's a combination of like a base building game with an auto battler in that the stuff you do to the map like when you lay down tiles on this loop that's what powers your character up to let them get through the battles and it's just like this super compelling, like fun loop, loop for lack of a better word. That um, it's one of those games where I, I think I described it at the time, like, hey, I, I just wanted to sit down and play for twenty minutes, and three hours later, like, I'm like holy shit, mm-hmm. where did the time go? It's, it's one of those time sync games. Matt, that that was a minute. I just want to give you that. That was great. <laughs> I don't know how good you are at this, but that really was like a tight minute. 
like um a game that that takes many minutes uh of my time that i love and um i love this new version so uh forza horizon 5 the rally adventure expansion yes. came out i've said a lot on this show before it's the weirdest fucking game ever because all I bought was the expansion pass to the game. Like, I don't own Forza Horizon 5, right. but I own all the DLC for 50 bucks. So this was the second big expansion. The first being the return to Hot Wheels. And they always kind of do this. They always have, like, here's our outrageous, you know, Lego expansion, Hot Wheels expansion. And here's our more grounded thing. That's It's, it's a bit more of like, yeah, we're just expanding the driving mechanics. I think I, I sent you guys a message. It was in a bold chat statement. When I playing it. It's my second favorite Matt statement next to like I still read it myself. I guess I like gamey games. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so what I what I sent them is I'm like, okay, so the new Forza DLC basically makes the Dirt franchise unnecessary, like because it's it's so Rally was a big part of Forza Horizon Five already, right? Like there's tons of off road cars right. and races, but what they what they specifically do with this mode is. They, they add all of the rally stuff. They add a guy calling Hard turns right. and calling the track in front of you. Hard right, medium right, loop, you know, that, that kind of thing. Like, he's in your ear the whole race. But they actually tell you, like, when you go to start it, they're like, look, you can leave on your racing line if you want, you know. And, and you know, there's options like, hey, I'm gonna only want to see that when I break or whatever. They're like, we recommend you turn that off and just go with the rally experience, which is going to show you which way to turn and have a guy... Who, in this case, he's flying in a helicopter above the track, calling you, you out. You can turns play this like Forza, or you can play this like the a third of our competitors in this genre, like Dirt. It's it's a crazy thing to think about. The other thing that it it does that I really appreciate is like, and, and Hot Wheels did this too. So Forza Horizon Five is overwhelming. There's just too much to do. The map is just like, okay, there's a kajillion races. Where do I start? Both DLCs have done a good job saying. We're going to reveal a little bit of the map at the time, mm. and there's progression in them in that. So when you start this thing, you have to pick between one of three teams that each have different styles of rally racing. Like one is rally races at night. You can imagine how unsafe that is. One is like, hey, we really just like traditional rally racing. One is like, hey, we're all about mostly road racing or something like that with a little bit of rally. You pick your team. You kind of go through a mini campaign with that team. Then you can unlock the other team. So it's like... It very much spells out. Here's the path to how you should be playing this thing and progressing. I drive a Corvette. Cars. I only listen to Tame Impala. Choose a side. <laughs> it's 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 just like a really neat way to be like, yes, thank you, Forza, for like not making me have to decide what my experience should be. You're just telling me like this is the next race you should do. Okay, perfect. Oh, I am I. I won that race. I got 900 points and I just unlocked a cool jumpsuit or, or whatever the fuck. Like you can spend your points that you're earning in this mode on cars and, and other. It's, it's a fascinating so, thing to talk about because the nature of game pass constantly giving me new games makes me forget about DLC for games that I already love free game yep. paid DLC. And you never feel bad about doing it, <laughs> but I, it's yeah. only about like, do I want to put the hundred gigs on this hard drive? Uh, for Forza again. And I do have to complain a little. I, I just don't feel like I haven't seen a ton of marketing for this expansion. Right. Like, I don't know that a lot of people know this thing is out. And it's like, it's it's there and it, it's adding ton, tons of hours to a game that's already hundreds of hours big. So why wouldn't you go try it out if you bought that? I, I think we saw with Forza Horizon, the, the first Forza releasing in a Game Pass, Forza Horizon releasing in a Game Pass era, more people played that game than like the last two combined. So they probably mm. just like, yeah, I'm sure if we hit the social media channel, we don't need to put any advertisements out there. 
probably a mistake because so I, I didn't know what you were talking about when this came out. And I, it, it was one of our games of the year, having brand new content, <laughs> like game changing yeah. content. Like, yeah, it's a big expansion, but I think it will seem subtle to a lot of people because Rally was such a focus of the original game, and it's like, no, no, they they changed the way you play Rally in this game, which is which is kind of unique, but. I would say if you had to pick between the two expansions, definitely go. I'd love to know what our audience thinks, but I don't care for hear from anybody without a British accent and excessive views in their comments. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Out of you, when in doubt, out of you. Is this really your favorite? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, My favorite is aluminium. Aluminium is the ship. You just added an extra sound to that word. Yeah, Fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I know it was your words originally, and we adapted it. But I don't care. Fair enough. All right. Do we have anything to say about Everspace 2? Uh, it's also on Game Pass PC. Oh. Um, and I hear it's a Luta shoot. Uh, shoot. We call those schluters here, please. It's a, sh- it's a, sp- a space. What would you, well, okay, Michael. Uh, what would you call a space schluter? A sp- schluter. Yeah, I, I call <laughs> that. I call I that cyber hooters. It. That's where I would go to drink it. <laughs> no, a schluter. There we go. There you go, schluter. Uh, yeah, it's it's out and on Game Pass, but I think PC only Game Pass. So. Hmm. All right. Well, that does it for new releases. So let's move along to. is the perfect link i can rub one out in between hmm. the, that wow, advertisement. wow. That's, yeah. i'm that good turn twist pull i got it hey guys we mentioned at the top of the show kind of a big uh video game movie hit the uh hit theaters this week and as such that's the perfect opportunity for me to cue this sound bga I saw the Mario movie. Was it any good? Um, it's actually it's a fun and again Sega employee here, but actually yeah. I, I had a good time. I went in. Um, I was really excited. Like all the trailers were pressing the right buttons for me and had all right. just the right amount of Easter eggs and, and hidden references and shit. And this movie didn't disappoint in that regard at all. Like it's very much like if you want to go have people directly speaking to your nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the movie that will do that. Like, I am in the right age demo for that. No, yeah, it, it's like all, all the criticism I hear about this movie being not good sounds like, well, that's probably why it's made for me. I don't like the Minions movies, but I think the Illumination team is very talented. It's By the way, speaking of the Illumination team, it's fucking beautiful. Yeah. Like, if nothing else... And it's funny because I, I asked, I went with a bunch of people and I kind of was asking everyone, like, what did you think of this movie? And the, the same term kept coming up. Everyone said it was really entertaining. And I, you, that's not that's not a negative on the movie, but it, it's very much like, hey, if you just want to go to the theater, buy your popcorn and be entertained for an hour and a half, two hours, whatever, like this movie delivers that so much, right? Um, the other thing I think it really accomplishes is it successfully add some character to these existing characters like outside of that other than some of the cartoons and stuff when we were kids is like they haven't really had a ton of character like mario is meant to be a cypher who just kind of like you know 
you you play him however you want to play him, and it's like, no, he has he has a character now. Like there there is a bit of a character arc in this game. I told Adam in this movie there was a TV spot where um the camera turned into a 2D version, but it was Seth Rogen's Donkey Kong playing a 2D platforming new Super Mario Brothers, and like that literally made me hard. And, and, and Nintendo has never done that. And, and and Donkey Kong has done nothing on his own but appear in 2D games in over a decade. He he was in that, well, okay, over a decade. He was in that terrible 90s CG show. I know, but, like, why wasn't Donkey Kong a playable character in New Super Mario Brothers? And this movie sort of, like, shows what that would look like. Fire Flower Donkey Kong, I might get that tattooed on me. <laughs> so... Interestingly enough, like one of my hottest takes on this movie is it sort of borrows the plotline of the first Black Panther film at one point where it's like <laughs> Mario has to eat a super mushroom to power himself up to become something he's not normally, right? To fight off Bowser. This yeah, is not a spoiler. Martin it's Freeman demands shit. it. They they then try to go they it shows that like there's the mushroom kingdom and then the jungle kingdom where all like the Donkey Kongs live and they they go to Don the Donkey Kong Kingdom to ask for help at some point. I'm like, this is just Black Panther. They're just going over to these guys' yeah. kingdom to ask for their help now. And it's but it's like and they're both gorilla themed too. <laughs> exactly, but I won't spoil I don't want to spoil any more than that, but like I'm I'm saying specifically Mbaku is is the, Mbaku, the gorilla right. yeah, 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 not, yeah, exactly. not yeah, I'm not being racist. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I, I jotted it down in my journal. It was otherwise. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, but like, I went in sort of being like, oh God, the Seth Rogen, Donkey Kong stuff. It is some of the funniest stuff in that movie. Like his interactions with Mario I, and the other characters. I loved that article. He was like, they asked me to be in the Mario movie and like, hey, hey man, I, I don't really do voices. So I'm just going to do this. And like, if there's a problem with that conversation over and they just said, okay. And, and, yeah. and the internet, like, why won't you try for Mario? Like, Mario doesn't try for Mario. Have you played the Strikers <laughs> games? It's all pre-existing sound effects. I, and I, I just don't want to spoil more of the story, but I will say, like, I, I just really had a good time. Um, the one thing that does annoy me, though, is every fucking article out there that's like we have a new gold standard for video game movies Again? you say that now with every video game that's, release that's, that's the new like, comic books aren't just for kids anymore right which I, I which it, you know also had video games aren't just for kids I'm, anymore i'm not right? just and, blowing and smoke cue up the footage ass. of fucking pac-man the, the sonic mm. movies would have sounded astounding to anyone 10 years ago they're very very good and they're i think their only fault compared to this is not being all animated it, like no one's done a video game adaptation other than angry birds that's all animated i i thought about that a little bit in that even the pokemon movie yeah was you know yeah. half Rabbit. animated and half half live action right mm -hmm. and and i'm like this what this movie definitely does is prove you can do a fully animated video game movie like a full cg video game movie and it can still be good and i'm like okay cool this, this is cool. I'm glad they were able to pull this off. Like, I'm excited by the potential for what else this unlocks. Maybe a Zelda movie. I don't know, right? Because now it's like, yeah, they they were successfully able to pull this off. So there's other stuff now. But then I started kind of thinking, like, what other franchise franchises haven't had a movie or TV show that, like, I want the most to explore? 
most i i i give this one more movie and nintendo will never work with a western company again Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) there's going to be some problem because they're going to be both high in their own nonsense i i want to see a zelda movie made by the same people and get steve martin to play link God, that would be fucking cool. <laughs> God damn it, Michael. Jesus. Steve Excuse. It's like, if you're going to steal the man's joke, at least let him do it. Ooze me, princess. Let me pull out uh, my ocarina and play my song, Pointy Birds, Pointy Birds. That's a really deep Steve Martin reference to uh, both his mm-hmm, book and mm-hmm. to his movie. Pointy Birds. Um, but what, one thing that I read in a review, Matt, and I, I uh, want to, like, so... My pet peeve with Hollywood movies is daddy issues. Like, I am sick to death of fucking scriptwriters working out their neuroses on screen. I just wish my dad had said once that he was proud of me. Fuck you. Write a new plot. Go to therapy. I, 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 the, the review I read said that, like, this movie gives Mario daddy issues. How much of an impact does that have on the plot? Almost none, barely, and then when you realize who his dad is, all will be. Oh fun. shit! Just say that. <laughs> <laughs> is his dad Lou Albano? <laughs> oh, I hope so. Put <laughs> rubber bands in your cheeks. Yeah. The girl. Well, don't as like we him all more. know, Lou Albano went. To, he died before he went to hell. He, no, he went he to hell go, before, he to before he died. Before he died, because he did drugs. <laughs> he did uh, drugs. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just thinking Rest of like the, the, the awful Tim Burton Willy Wonka so, movie. So, do. I, I want to recommend to do what I did today, twice. Uh-huh. Um, Masturbate? No, no. I, I wish I had. <laughs> he got him. Got him. Stop. <laughs> Matt is doing a victory lap. Like he somehow like fucking stop. It's a good, it's a good joke. He got you. It's, I don't because care if true. it was accurate. It's good because we know it's true. That's I don't care if it was accurate. <laughs> I'm saying this. I'm saying this day was a rarity where I didn't masturbate twice. <laughs> um, I, I went to a giant family dinner, and I had to explain to two people under 25 that there was a Mario movie in 1993, and explaining the plot of that is the most fun thing I've wow. ever done. How Just do don't you? Do it. Uh, once this again, movie, this movie covers up the sins of matter. Which that was. movie mm-hmm. would be brilliant if you you could have called it like Streets of Rage, and that movie would have been brilliant with nothing changed. Calling yeah. it a Mario movie is fucking uh, just a god, like it's a sin against God. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say one last thing, and then we have to move on. Is like. Dennis Hopper, he had a career resurgent from Speed and then squandered all yeah. of that goodwill with the fucking Mario You movie. know what like, they say about little girls. Like, oh, God, the, the only thing off. better than him ending the movie with a painted super scope mm. <laughs> is he is he said over and over he's just playing Donald Trump. Donald Trump was an 80s villain in like every movie and yeah. somehow assholes elected him president because he was mean to people he they didn't because like. he kept his promises and bulldozed that fucking rec center okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. so um so one franchise that is getting a movie already that i do want to see because i don't other than the animes i don't think they've ever nailed it so street fighter i guess the rights for the street fighter movies were tied up there was some weird ownership shit 
Uh, now, the people who own it, I, I feel like it's in good hands. So Legendary Pictures is working That's on amazing. a live action street. street uh, you, it, was, it was with Universal. And even the Street Fighter is literally the second most recognized game property in the world. Mm. Uh, but Universal didn't ever really have the time for it. It, it. it made two movies in 12 years, 15 years. Yeah. I, I also think the Street Fighter movie is secretly one of the best video game movies ever made. But you have to watch it as a comedy. They're both if, if, so entertaining. Dude, Chris Klein's Charlie Nash. Oh my god, is one oh, of the wow. funniest yeah. that things mo- no, I've that ever seen. No, that movie's fucking dismal. <laughs> but, but okay, the Charlie Nash is pretty good. The only the only thing I'm afraid of is because Capcom went from shuffling the IP to one of the world's most renowned movie studios, who clearly didn't give a shit about it, hmm. to a movie studio. Like the Resident Evil Lance Reddick series, a movie studio that gives a shit but doesn't know how to make things. And that's what I'm worried about. There's so many characters to get wrong. Can you believe that? There's so many things to get wrong when, like, the whole world knows 16 characters at least from Street Fighter. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's too many, and then but the problem is when they choose to focus. Like the last movie was supposed to focus on Chun Li more than anything else. It's like yeah, just I feel cheated that whole movie. Like I wanted to focus on all of my favorites, and that's really tough. To, it, it's like it's almost like well, should this be a movie or should this be a TV series where you can have an ep- yeah. each episode focusing on a different character? Yeah, just just make it about Ryu and Ken and throw Akuma in there as the villain. Fine. I had I had that. One of the best things I've seen in several years is that Matt Reeves Batman movie. And it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Do not, you have arcs for seven Batman characters. This should have been a TV series. It's three hours long. I can't watch it drunk after I do this show and leave at 1 a.m. Ever. Like, I can never drunk watch this because it's too long. And yeah, I think maybe episodic. Yeah, episodic contact might be the the way for Street Fighter. Next thing. So, last week, we found out E3 canceled this year. No, we no had numerous more E3. Numerous in, in like a six-hour period. Like, is this April Fool's? The ex-president is getting indicted. Uh, Vince McMahon is taking over <laughs> wrestling again and... Is it canceled, canceled? I'm not sure if they're canceling it this year or if, like, no, we're ending the show. There will never be another E3. I I wasn't clear on that, and I I don't think they've been clear on that for a reason. We're we're like, yeah, we don't know if it's just a this year thing or a canceled as in until further notice, like, next year. We don't know. Mm -hmm. I think we all know that it it means it's canceled forever. (laughs) It is over. I don't don't know that for sure. But here, so the ESA president and CEO, uh, Stanley Pierre-Louis, uh, spoke out and he he was basically asked like well what happened you know and he's saying he was pointing to there's larger industry challenges that proved and here's his quote too large to surmount which is very vague but then he kind of provided a few more specifics so first several companies have reported that the timeline for game development has been altered since the start of the covid pandemic yeah. i guess i don't know how that would affect e3 specifically he's- though because it's like well He's, games are still coming out. He's full of shit, shit, but like, okay. in that comment, but like, th- the game cycle, I always love defaulting to like, Mario Kart was made in a couple of weeks. Like, some of these games 
need years of refinement and hundreds of people to do it. It doesn't, unless you're super ready, E3 has no point. And here, here's a second point that I, I think is a bit more valid, which is uh, economic headwinds have caused several companies to reassess how they invest in large marketing events. So actually, I'd say even without the economic headwinds, like event marketing is hugely expensive. One of the most expensive things you can mm-hmm. do if you go to a lot of events. And it's, it's really tough to measure return on investment, right? It's right. really tough to be like, hey, we spent a million dollars for this booth or much more than a million. It was the honest, question I asked companies. every developer when we stopped mm-hmm. off the record. Like, how is this worth it to you? I heard about the price and like, how does this justify itself? And, and and we've been talking like on this show, we always bring that up of like, hey, this could be one reason publishers are not so eager to sign up for E3. And then the third one is definitely one that we've been talking about a lot, which is he said companies are starting to experiment with how to find the right balance between in-person events and here's the key, digital marketing opportunities. And what he actually means by that is they go directly to consumers right. themselves. They do streams saying Hey, here's all the shit we want to announce. Tune in, watch this, and you'll learn it. There's no need to do this around an E3 show. There's no need to go to that show to do it. We can do this in in our, our living rooms. At one point in the pandemic, I think people were wasn't it Microsoft? They like did one of their things from their living rooms, like everyone was remote. Like, yeah. And, but even even when I was at Capcom, I was shocked. There was a couple of events that like. We're gonna like months ahead. You can play Resident Evil or Street Fighter. And we just reached out to people who are big fans or had big YouTube channels. And and and, and that didn't caught like even we didn't fly them out or anything like that, but uh it, it was millions of dollars less than E3. Yeah, I know Ubisoft when when I worked there, they had a suite where like, it was near E3, which which was just like yeah, they would invite like key members of the of the communities from their games, right? People or some who like give the most like, shits. Just come to this hotel suite and come play these games. You know, like you don't need to come to our booth to do rather this, than right? than like so, hoping and praying. You know, like the intern from the View stops by, and <laughs> which really which will get you bumped every time at E three. Like it will. Uh, Ten years ago when right. I was there. Yeah, you know what? I got to play this demo now. I got to get Whoopi or Cappuccino. Let's right. uh, let's go. Let's keep this thing moving. We got to hear Joy Behar's word on Bioshock Infinite. So, like, <laughs> getting that word said out of her mouth was so much more worthwhile than than the hundreds of thousands of people who could potentially read my article. Uh, and, and I think it was hard to justify the price. And and I think the big thing, um, Matt's mentioned something around this a couple of times, but like the the difficulty of creating an E3 demo can cause a major roadblock in a development. I think that's what he meant by the first point. And maybe he just wasn't really um, explaining it well as when he said like, Hey, COVID has affected development schedule. I think what he meant was was like, it's super tough for developers to time to put enough time into an E3 demo. Like they basically, a lot of the time end up dropping what they're doing right. developing the they game. They quit to their jobs to make a good vertical slice to show at E3, and they do it on E3's time. As mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. publisher and developer, you have to see how, like, well, why can't we just hype a game when it's ready? When it's ready to right. be hyped. And, 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 and yeah. yeah, I think the internet changed everything. The pandemic solidified it. It's over. E3 is over. I think... What's interesting is maybe what he didn't mention, which is the shift to digital and how we talk about like the original 
purpose of E3 was for buyers, right? It's it's meant to be this event for retail buyers to go know how many copies of the next Street Fighter they're going to order. And as the industry has shifted to digital, um, that's obviously, you know, it's just consumers deciding and they buy it directly from the first parties, right? Via, via their e-shops or whatever. Yeah. But also like, there's lots of ways to get in front of these retail buyers now, mm -hmm. right? Like you, there, there's other ways for them to see your product. You don't need to wait for this once a year thing. And in many ways, a lot of these trade shows feel like very like remnants of the eighties and nineties of like, yeah, we have no other way to send you codes. Some to of see my this favorite thing. people to party with were twice my age and they were all retail mm -hmm. buyers. And they yeah. they knew how to party so fucking hard. Knew where every cool spot was. Uh, that that and um, um, well, I forgot what I was going to say. But uh, but but uh, yeah, I want a Super Bowl for games. And I saw Keeley sort of being like, uh, "Yeah, we're the alternative." I'm like, as a trailer showcase. But like, this really was like a way for even in the last ten years, people to stream gameplay that never existed you're a trailer you're a trailer showcase uh you don't show gameplay they're not previews it, it, it makes me less he has the extended part like they, there's the pre-show and the after show sure. where they do a little bit but that has fewer viewers than the main show let's let's say that right so like but it was very uh, yeah i get what you're saying you know what i'm talking the other, about the other alternative has been that the first parties themselves mm -hmm. right it's like yeah right if microsoft or sony or nintendo puts on a thing people are going to tune in. Right. Thing. You know what I mean? And that that's that's sort of where a lot of games are debuted. You know, I, I'm wondering what will happen this year. Are we going to see... It seems like in years past, some of the smaller publishers try to do a thing on their own. Like, is, are people going to try that this year? Are they just going to go with Keeley and the first parties? Like, I don't it, know. It, but, it's but weird they, because, like, I don't know. I, I professionally would dread the June cycle because it was really hard on all of us. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but yeah. like maybe as a consumer, like just, yeah, maybe what if people were in tune with June being when like new games and consoles are released? Could be interesting. I, I think that's the key for me is like a couple years ago when this happened due to the pandemic, the announcements started to creep into July or even August. Yeah. And it was like, you know, it wasn't as cool because we didn't get this like zeitgeist of, a bunch of announcements happening all within the same window. It it, it kind of went on too long. I hope yeah. we don't do that as an industry. I hope they, we still keep it kind of tight. You know, like yeah, this is going to be within June. Yeah, yeah. That, like that's when these. I, I don't want to. I'm too drunk to speak authoritatively and historically, but like part of the reason the biggest weekend games is November isn't necessarily because of Christmas, because the hype cycle was supposed to start in June because of E3, and without E3, like. Who's to say Ubisoft can't announce a game in fucking October until you'll be out in a month? That's what's so wild is as a games marketer, like, I look forward to E3 sometimes just to know, like, what does holiday season look yeah. like? Like, the fact that we have no clue what the holiday release slate it's looks weird, like man. for the most part is insane. And that's been a shift within the past five years. Uh, allow so, me, the, yeah. the money is more important, but, like, Part of the game hype cycle started in June, always, yeah. always, never has not. So, yeah, it's like I wonder people who don't work in the industry, like, are they expected like, oh, it feels like early June. Should I turn on my streaming platforms and yeah. <laughs> see what's going on? Oh, 
get up and turn on the streaming platform, Mother. I, <laughs> I, really I think there might like be some video game news. <laughs> I really did sound awful. But you know what I'm talking about? Like, like it's not because uh, like I was filled. The first E3, I didn't have to go and do anything. Was 2015. I went to the world's largest water park and couldn't stop bragging about it. I'm looking at my social posts. Like, no one gives a shit. <laughs> like, it's, it's the most exciting time for games, not you. Uh, it, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, already we had one of these showcases. Um, ID at Xbox. I never know if it's id at Xbox. I think it's ID at Xbox. Yeah. That's their, in, their indie division. Right. Um, I may quote the more Norm MacDonald joke. It's a great abbreviation. I stands for I, and D stands for dentification. <laughs> dentification. The D is doing the majority of the work there. It's true. They did a showcase, and I think the biggest thing for me, the most exciting is there's going to be a second expansion to Vampire Survivors. Tides of Foscati expansion hitting very soon, April 13th. When is so. that going to wear off because when he says new expansion of vampire survivors i added a new two pixel animation <laughs> like i don't know it's still fun it's still fun the previous expansion was like a dollar right and so one of the other reasons i'm like yes cool like i'll, I'll spend a dollar for anything vampire survivors fucking yes i absolutely. want i want a triple a 3d ripoff of vampire survivors that's what i want i'm sure it's okay. in the works somewhere star-studded voice cast and, mm -hmm. and licensed music gimme i love how unapologetically italian it is too like all the character yeah. names <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unlike the Mario movie, which I yelled about today to a friend. Look, I'm not saying I was the most suited to play Mario in the Mario movie, but M Michael Imperioli, somebody oh, Italian for once. It's been 30 years. No Italian has ever played Mario. I, I do. There's one thing. This is not a spoiler, but. Man, I feel like the producers of this movie really feel like Mario says Mamma Mia a lot more than he actually does oh, in the dear. games. There's he like three say, or four Mamma Mia. He said drops it every time game. he died in Mario 64. <laughs> okay, fair. Yeah. It's <laughs> my favorite Abba movie. No, hold on. <laughs> Wait, out of context question about the Mario movie. Uh huh. Matt, uh, yes. did you recognize a Charles Martinet performance? I did. I did. It's, it, it's immediately recognizable. No, I, I I picked it up um, later in the picture. I went, oh god, that's who that is. So, uh, oh, yeah. okay. So it has more than one moment. Neat. Hmm. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> I'm excited. I like. I'm already excited. I think he has two parts. Uh, yeah. You could go check on IMDb. Too, you know, but, uh, other other things out of this thing. So um, real quick, there was a game called Cassette Beasts, which is a turn-based RPG. 80s vibe obviously because of cassettes but it's like also like a pokemon it's like a pokemon game pixel art cassette tapes yes you're hmm. speaking my language with Neat. all of these things <laughs> um and then let's see the other that oh oh people who love coffee talk uh coffee talk with linda richmond talk amongst yourselves mm -hmm. yes. uh, uh that my is an SNL is reference. i get it um no coffee talk is getting a sequel coffee talk episode two hibiscus and butterfly is the Didn't sequel the that's creator coming. of that pass away, or am I thinking of something else? No, Mike Myers is still with us. <laughs> <laughs> he made the Pentaveret. Almost no I'm, one knows. Stop! I'm the Clint. Stop. Yes. Yeah. 
so yeah, th- those were, I think, kind of the biggest announcements I saw coming out of that thing that I'm, I'm very excited about. Um, that was that showcase. And then the last bit of news we talked about uh, with the QTE's accessibility earlier on this show. And Sony, to their credit, um, as a man with uh, some accessibility issues, namely vision issues, like I get excited, like how much effort Sony and Microsoft are putting into accessibility. Sony now is launching a feature in their digital store. They're going to have tags to show what kind of accessibility features a game has, which is nice because I feel like if you are someone with certain disabilities, sometimes you have to buy a game not knowing what accessibility features it has or or doesn't have, right? And so the fact that they're putting that in the store before you make that purchase, I think, is a very strong uh, initiative that I fully support. I'm I'm glad they're they're finally catching up to porn. I hope they find a good good catch-all because I've never been more disappointed... Then when I clicked on Femdom and what I saw instead of Mrs. Doubtfire with Dom DeLuise. Oh, see, the, I, I, the... I was just thinking you were going to get like a <laughs> Fast and Furious mashup where uh, it's no. just uh, Vin Diesel in a wig. I wanted to see Fatso himself, which I say not to get me canceled as a CNN commentator. He was in a movie called Fatso. The uh, saddest part about that is we probably all outweigh him by 30. Yeah. That is weird. Oh, like I may have a bigger beard than Dom DeLuise right I now. I found out today that I only weigh ten pounds less than Donald Trump, and I've never been so upset in my life. <laughs> I think I weigh ten pounds more. Imagine how I feel. You both should be ashamed. I the know. best part about Terrible this, though, shape. is I found out he's not taller than me. That is the only redeeming thing. He is six foot one. He's my height. Yeah. I could take him. And he wears those weird shoes, so he, if he's well, even six one. I, f- I feel weird following up this conversation with a work thing, but I just want to point mm. out, since we're talking about accessibility stuff, Ubisoft does this on the reg, and we actually publish accessibility spotlight articles that talk about all the different features that are included with upcoming games at news.ubisoft.com. Nice. And, and if I can say, you feel like those aren't important until they affect you. That's and right. Yeah, no, they're very important. As we all entered our forties, like we always find one, uh-huh. uh, we need an accessibility issue. You go into your forties and start trying to pick dialogue out of an audio mix without fucking subtitles on in your game. Um, this good luck game with that. comes with a giant old timey ear horn for you to hold up your <laughs> ear and say, "What do you say?" <laughs> Bring back oh ear horns. Like, make them a fashion statement. I, I know. Like, I, all the time I spend with my mother, I've only recently realized she's never heard anything I've said. Hmm. But she's learned how to be like, oh, and is that good? Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All yes. Right, right. We're getting older. The podcast is getting longer. That's all. The, that's all the news that's mm. fit to play. All right. Well, let's move on to the community segment, which is always is segmenting our community. Segmenting our community. Last week's question of the week was, "What's your favorite memory of the 3DS?" Uh, first respond on VigiGamePocalypse.com was Giant Robots Conquer the World, who says. To risk being honest and not irony poisoned, one of my favorite series of all time, <laughs> Style Savvy, is almost entirely on the 3DS. This awesome. this charming experience of running a fashion shop and helping people wear outfits to express their style is oh. just a fun gameplay loop. The characters are fun. After a new mechanic is introduced, the game never forces it on you. Play the game however you want, focusing on whatever aspects you want, and the progress bar to unlock more things will fill up no matter what you find fun. 
the games were also strongly localized. The European version, Style Boutique, is different from the Japanese version, Girls Mode, which is different than the US version. The core gameplay is the same, but obviously those localized aesthetic changes are a big deal in a game about the joy of aesthetics. The fourth and likely final game, Styling Star, got physical releases in Europe and Japan, but the unique US version was digital only. I played these games for untold amounts of time, they were my comfort food game, and provided an escape from my gender dysphoria. That is one of the best comments I've ever got. Because yeah. one, I didn't know about that series, but it's 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 <clears throat> historically fascinating to consider the 3DS. It is kind of a broken branch of digital gaming. People who weren't involved with giant franchises didn't focus on mobile globally, but they did for 3DS. Mm-hmm. So auteurs in Japan made 3DS games. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Businesses made mobile games. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It, it's weird. It's weird to think about, but uh, yeah, like like shit like this, like stuff. You, goddamn. Now I'm sad. I've never even heard of this franchise. I googled it. When well, I feel it, like yeah. like that was almost continuation. Like the DS had a lot of games like this style savvy yeah. series or whatever. That like some of that did carry over into the 3DS era. But like the DS is one of the most in terms of game genres one of the most experimental periods in all yeah. of gaming history i felt like like there was there was some just stuff that you never never experienced anywhere else and never will experience anywhere else again like was was started on the ds and some of that did carry forward into the three i mean we, we did a whole show about it last week go listen like hmm. all of those games are like things that can only be done on 3ds most of those games on our list were super experimental and it's like yeah stuff like style savvy is like it may not be for you but that was sort right. of the point is like DS and 3DS had games that like traditional people buying game systems, you know, may not go for. But it's like, yeah, it's speaking to a little bit of everyone's They could, they could afford shit. to make niche stuff if they wanted to. That's right. Yeah. yeah that's right. An experiment like we like, I mean, part of our whole cachet is when we started podcasting, we loved almost everything on the Super Nintendo NES Genesis PC because there were very few games. Mm-hmm. And the idea of something uh, with with that, and because they did they did that because no other game is supposed to look like the other. And you think of the mobile landscape, and like everything is everything. Yeah, Lauren Hill. So I'm uh, going to read this next one. Don't worry, guys. I got this. It's a, it's a sports reference. Uh, from the official Lazy Time community on Facebook, Todd Harrison says, "My most notable experience with the 3DS." is using it at Safeco Field during wow. Seattle Mariners games to watch replays, order wow. food, wow. and play baseball-related wow. games on the Nintendo Fan Network. You can do all of that on your phone now, but 10 years ago, it was really special. I had no clue this existed, and this is like like wow. old theme park rides, something I will never get to experience that I have such FOMO about. Like, what? You could do I, all that I, on your 3DS? Want to imagine the smart person arguing against that? We should have an iPhone app. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. We own the three. Yeah. <laughs> We're you Nintendo. We own the Mariners. <laughs> we got to have something for Mariners fans to do that relates no. to our consoles. No synergy. You are fired, Elon Musk. Uh, like, <laughs> imagine right. how many street passes you could get at at Mariners games. Oh my gosh, mm. Jack. 
Oh, man. Oh, I got Ken Griffey Sr. And he's in a Who Farted shirt. <laughs> uh, Beautiful. Mo- Malik Bahur says, uh, my favorite memory of the 3DS, it was a very faithful companion during my time in the Army. Wow. Mm. Um, again, like when I said people I'd party with, this is Chris, not uh, uh, Malik. I met a bunch of people who bought who were in charge of buying the games that were shipped to Iraq and Afghanistan. And they were so fun. It's like, it's like a job I don't know exists anymore. Like that was part of their job, like a commissary job for video games. Mm. Neat. Wow. Uh, anyway, uh, while stationed in a desert in Arizona, says Malik, uh, during downtime, I'd hide in my barracks room with my headphones on, catching fish in Animal Crossing New Leaf while the sun would shine through the window. When my wife and I were stationed in North Carolina, we didn't have access to a lot of friends nearby, so we spent a lot of time uh, together on the weekends checking out the local sights and sounds in Raleigh. Uh, at the end of the day, we'd return home and both open up our 3DSs and compare street passes. Oh, man, I get that. Uh, this happened almost every weekend between 2014 and 2016. Wow. I completed so many puzzles, built up uh, my army in Warrior's Way. Oh, I love Warrior's oh, Way. That was fun. And cultivated a beautiful garden in Flower Town. It also helped me keep in touch with my friends in my hometown by playing online with Super Smash Brothers for a 3DS. Uh, or or Triforce Heroes. Hmm. Wow, that's awesome. I, I remember just being disappointed when I moved to San Francisco. I would bring my 3DS like on the bus with me, and I was just always like, I would barely get past. Or, or even when I was like taking Caltrain, it's like I would get maybe one, two street passes per commute, and I'm just like, this is a big city. There's supposed to be like hundreds of these things happening. Like if I was in Japan, this would not be the case. But it's just like how few street. Pa- I'm shocked. That he got anything in Raleigh, North Carolina. Like what? That's amazing. Yeah, like, our, our, our coworker um, at Future Studios, he managed to find a measurement of how you got street passes, and the more car doors you had in between you, the less likely you were to get them. Hmm. Um, it was it was an it was amazing that he it was a genius and working on making fart videos for Future. Uh, <laughs> It, it was it was so fucking funny, uh, but yeah, I, I I love these type of memories That's because amazing. like one of my favorite memories of the 3ds, um, you can see it on my Instagram. I was at a wedding in Puerto Rico with, with Shane, uh, who people might remember from our previous podcast, and we stayed an extra day. And like, uh, I meet a guy and like, uh, yeah, I'm Chris. Uh, hi, I'm this. I totally forgot his name. Uh, what do you do? I work here. He's like, I'm the director of Rainbow Bright. I'm like, well, what oh, do you like to do? Wow. He's like, all I care about is Smash Brothers and the hot tub. I'm like, I'm going to the hot tub. And there's a picture of us in the hot tub, <laughs> in a Puerto Rican hot tub, playing the brand new <laughs> Smash Brothers on 3DS. A Super Splash Brothers was, <laughs> I, I hate titling social media posts. It's one of the Super Splash Brothers. We're in a hot tub playing Super Mario Smash Brothers together. Nice. It's awesome. Getting in the hot tub. Nice. Hot nice. tub. With the director of Rainbow Bright. <laughs> <laughs> Look out. Uh, on Twitter, Jeff Wildman says, I have a DS memory. I was managing a video game store in 2004. The launch of the original DS happened to fall on the same day 
as the Toronto Santa Claus Parade. <laughs> the launch was a pretty big deal, and I was expected to work. So needless to say, the parade was really great. You missed the DS launch for a Santa parade? This must be some kind of Santa parade. And, and uh, as a tribute to Diana from 302010, I'm, I'm, I hope Philadelphia people showed up to throw batteries. At yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so new question of the week. What's a dead gaming trend that needs to come back? I'm just going to bring bring up the number one from uh, the last time you did this, Matt. Uh, cheat codes. Cheat codes need to come back. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I feel like... As an adult, they, they the appeal of them has kind of diminished for me because it's like, well, I don't want to ruin the experience of playing the game as intended, you know, enjoying this carefully curated and assembled experience. And and and, and, <laughs> and then there are other times where it's just like, you know what, fuck it, uh, IDDQD, IDKFA, uh, let's let's just do this, let's jump break in. Break this fucker. Did, did, yeah, does yeah. what I say in the chat make any sense? Like a lot of things we consider that cheat codes did. Mm. Like we lost lives in video games, and I was just—I was sort of playing um, uh, Chai, Chia, 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 and, and like uh, it's so hard to find explosives, and then you progress in the game, and like I can just spawn explosives. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that used to be in a cheat code. Well, and, and it made sense the history of cheat codes. It. They, it was debug commands that QA people used to test the game because they didn't right. want to take the time to get all that shit, and like. Do I do I miss big head mode? Ask no one. Not even a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not even a little. It's bit. funny. Don't it's funny care. for like a minute, and then you can then turn it off. Um, so mine is very specific. So I think maybe I've answered this before and said instruction manuals. What I actually mean by that, I don't care about all the the actual instructions to the game. No, no, no. no. I want bespoke art. I want yeah. the fucking rad art and yeah. bespoke writing that came with those manuals. Which is why I love Tunic so much. Last yeah. year is like it it. It had channeled all that stuff I love about instruction manuals and had cool art. It had like lore written out there. Now, granted, it was in like some code language, but like that's the shit that I miss about instruction manuals that we just don't get anymore. Like, yeah, there the, are the little supplementary pamphlet that you can flip through when you're not allowed it's, to play video it's games. It's super. Yeah, yeah. Like, I am a massive fan of Mario 2. The mm -hmm. game doesn't tell you a fucking thing. And like, what people. Except about Mario 2's canon came from the manual. From the manual, yeah, yeah. Yep. Like the, like the, the, that's that's the canon, and I don't. We know now how games are made and how like <laughs> the lowest paid guy probably worked on this and no one approved it, but it became canon. <laughs> it became canon forever. Watch me turn and, this into a plug, by the way, which is why I'm so excited about Sonic Origins Plus. Which the physical version comes with a 20 page art book. So all it Ooh. is, is my favorite part is the art stuff from those instruction manuals. But that, that one, when I could, I, we are a one TV household. When I couldn't play games, I could look through the manual and feel cool like, oh shit, Birdo, I'm going to marry you someday. <laughs> I, hope you're, I hope you're a girl. Uh, <laughs> Someone say arcades. I, uh, I'll go with <laughs> arcades because Matt whispered it. <laughs> to, to me because like uh some of the most exciting game game news releases for me and i try and squeak them in here when i can is the arcade one-up stuff yeah. uh because like you know it, it, like emulation is awesome but like some of these games are like meant to be experienced standing up certain way 
that's fun. Like with you your will friends. never. In yeah. a communal environment, yeah. like that's in a place you're hanging out with your friends. When that you're in the body of a ten year old, yes. <laughs> some some of that's true, but like um if you're really dying to recreate like playing Dragon's Lair, it's not gonna work if you Oh shit, Dragon's Lair just released on four K Blu ray, like podcast wank motion. Hmm. But it, it it came out like full screen HD for Arcade One Up and like uh yeah you know the age I am like invite your friends and your kids over let's let's experience it again and I'll watch it that'll be way more exciting way more exciting uh, than than playing it on your own because like like I if I I was implying that earlier with like I could play Sega Classics anytime I want with what I own and what I can access but like when Sega re-releases something like Sonic Origins or 3D Classics, I just want to tell the world about it. <laughs> I, I, it it's so much fun having, like, minor enhancements to old-ass games. And uh, that's what I, I, I... Am I nuts? Sometimes I feel like I, I, I'm on the podcast to... Uh, I care more about that than new experiences. I try not to be that person. But, like, I love that shit, man. I love... Uh, hardcore efforts like what you're talking about with a manual trying to recapture mm. old shit and like yeah if you want to download it play it fine but like you know if you want to recapture your nostalgia here's the way uh, yeah i think for me the most exciting thing um about arcades that we kind of is lost is like the bespoke experiences like light gun mm. games are fine and fun at home but there's nothing like holding that like Uzi in a light gun game in an arcade yeah, cabinet, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's those experiences. But with the current environment, light guns don't slash can exist, and motion controls were not a good suitable replacement. And and the rumor is arcade went up releasing a either a Time Crisis or House of the Dead. I thought I was done. I want it so bad. But, but even things like, like if you want to play a racing game at home, oh. you have to buy this expensive peripheral, and usually it's for, mm -hmm. like, sim things or whatever. Like, I love just going to up to an arcade cab and being like, I'm going to ride this motorcycle, and when I lean to the left, I'm going to turn left. That's fucking amazing. Like, mm -hmm. and hang on. Man, One of the first motorcycle skater, games. Like, so yeah, cool. Like, it's so... I, so I, I love the that. game that allowed me to skateboard, a thing I could already do, but like a handicapped person. I got rails on both sides. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sure I, I, I recently at a Chuck E. Cheese played one of those skiing games like that where you stand and you hold oh, the yeah, rails yeah, yeah. or whatever. Like, love, I love it. Love yeah. it. Can't Before the pandemic, one of the last things I remember, like, I'm still, like, the prices went wild for collector shit. And there were two skiing games, like, hold the side, sit, sit in the, stand in the skis, and, like, free just come get it and get it out of here it's in a basement and you'll need four people it's a 60 inch lcd free yeah. just come get it <laughs> and it's all over please now. save me like, from this giant it. weight around my neck i know but like if you're living single and you have a, a two-car garage with no car like, like, yeah, I'll take your free skiing game. I don't care. I'll throw free. it out. We're I'm cleaning done. out grandma's house, and she left, held onto this for some reason. <laughs> Gimme. It's covered Gimme. in ceramic knickknacks. When I got started looking at arcade classifieds, so many of them were free. Like, just get it out of here. I'm 70, and my back is broken. And now it's just like, Donkey Kong, $3,000. Yes. <laughs> three, three grand. Like, fuck. Oh. Ugh. 
Which it's I can't believe like I most want to time travel to four years ago where I could just get a bunch of free arcade games. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's a dead gaming trend that you'd like to see revived? Let us know. Go to videogameapocalypse.com. Answer into the comments for episode 518. Good Lord. Uh, alternately, you can go to the official Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there you can answer. Or ping us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse, and we will read the answers on next week's show. Anyway, that's been our show. Let's go with some plugs. Uh, what do we got? Anything? Um, Anything Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Mm. New War Games episode um, and something really exciting coming soon. I, I, it's been hard to line up and make stuff align, but really f- fucking I, I'll tell you more about it when it's there. Uh, but I don't know how we're going to keep it under two hours. It's going to be so fun. Um, and thirty twenty ten this week, I think we we talked about we talked about some of this with Army of Two. I think that's the last of three games Bro. in EA's. Bro. It was and, and like with the news that like Battlefield Bad Company, uh, w- those those servers are being shut down. I, I'm shocked they weren't already, but like. Uh, that's the EA period of like, I'm talking for you, bro, shooters. <laughs> um, and I, I don't hate either of them. I'm not bro. shitting on them, but like, um, I'm kind of glad the trend is gone. Yeah. Uh, let's see. All I will plug is uh, go download and play The Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog from Steam. Uh, yes, enjoy it, it's I free. Promise. Yes, it's cheap as free. Mm-hmm. It's free. And I, I, I promise you, he's. <laughs> dead forever yeah no canonically dead yeah i looked it up sonic frontiers was the fifth like fifth or sixth highest selling game in the u.s i'm sure sonic is dead forever other than sonic origins plus coming out which i'm super sad uh anyway uh as always, you can find us online at VigiGamePocalypse.com. Follow us on Twitter at VGApocalypse. Follow me personally on Twitter at Wikiparaz, W-I-K-I-P-A-R-A-Z. That's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Hubba, hubba, he says.